You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. Well, that was a fun pod. Uh, Obviously, you hear my voice right now, and I'm not R.J. Bell, so no R.J. this week. So it was myself, Fezzik, Scott, and McKenzie kicking it. Uh, Talk some NFL, talk some college football. We talked some Major League Baseball mid-season stuff. We talked some NBA, and we talked about the level of chick that we could score. And I'll be honest, Fez lives in a world of delusion. Um, It's not true. I didn't say I could score. I just I have unrealistic standards that I have always held to, or not participate in the game, and so I chose not to participate. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. What you'll also enjoy, though, is the promo code we're going to offer you this week. And we're getting to football time, and you'll hear a lot of football when we, uh, when we get going on this pod. And right now, if you said, you know what? I love Steve Fezzik. I want all the football he's got to offer. Um. I would say, well, yeah, that's probably a, a good option. You, you, Fez is, is good, plus 45 units basically in college football last year. You might want to jump on board that. Um, but you say, I can't decide. Do I want his NFL? Because Steve is a two-time Super Contest champion, an NFL expert. Or do I want his college football? Oof, tough choices. Tough, tough choices. And I would say... Why choose, friends? Get the buffet. Get the buffet. Listen, if you bought each individually, it would cost you almost $1,100 at pregame.com. If you said, I want Fez's full-season NFL, Fez's full-season college football, it's right around $1,100, $1,098. Don't do that. Don't do that. I I mean, honestly, I don't think this is – RJ might get mad if I said this. It'd be foolish of you to to make that purchase right Stupid. now. Because right now, because you're going to listen to this pod, we're going to give you a code. Combo 777. It's July. The sevens, you know. It, Seventh month of the year. So yeah, I like it. But I like the, you know, the idea of sevens on the sl- slot. Slot machine. The seven, Jennifer seven, Lawrence seven. promo. Yeah, well, <laughs> seven will play it's a, a major cut. role in this, uh, in this pod. With that code, Combo 777, you get both leagues for $777 even. That is a savings. McKenzie, help me with the math. At $321. Why would you pay $1098 when you could get something for $777 just by typing in combo 777 at checkout? It wouldn't make sense, right? And... You're going to get bulk dollar bonuses. Customers get their $100 bulk dollar bonus. So wait, I pay $777 instead of $1098? Yes. And I get $100 in bulk dollars? Yes. Wow. So now, $677. Now, imagine, if, if, imagine this. Imagine I said, Scott, your car payment this month, instead of $500, it's $300. That would be great. Yeah. It, this is similar. Make that happen, actually? Uh, well, I don't have that power. But listen, you, I do have the power to give you this offer. Combo 777. Pick your pro. Uh, obviously, Fezzik is fantastic. Good fella. 
was up almost 50 foot units in football last season. Uh, Essler, plus 34.25 NFL units last season. Hitman, plus 29.15 units last year. You want to get down with Fezzik? You want to get down with me? You want to get down with Scott? We all do both sports, NFL and college football. You can get down. We're all talking. We're all helping each other. Guys, don't pay full price when you can pay less. Combo 777. This law, this this offer will not last, friends. You're you're making the right move by getting in early, and you'll not see. Not to mention these lines. We got plays up. These lines are moving. You're going to hear in this pod a play that my clients and Fezzik's clients got today. They moved three points. Three points in what? Four hours. Yeah, and the vast majority of it within the first twenty minutes. Got yeah. got you know what? Have your email alerts ready. You get it. You get every play emailed, and you see a play pop up. You get down. It doesn't make sense not to do this. Combo seven 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 at checkout. Any pro NFL and college football for seven hundred and seventy seven dollars. Enjoy the show. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. I am not R.J. Bell. You may notice that. I am A.J. Hoffman. Uh, Steve Fezzik at the Wise Guy Roundtable to my right, to my left. Scott Seidenberg. Sides and totals. He plays sides and totals. Scott Seidenberg. I forgot. The only two-time Super Contest champion, Steve Fezzik. Proper introduction. Won the South Point twice also. But can you bet there today? That's the question. No, but they did put my name in the paper back in 2000. Okay, yeah, that's nice. And to my far left, the most dominant NBA handicapper, really, I think, in the history of time, Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, how are you, friend? Better now. Very kind introduction. Thank you. All right. So here we go. Uh, No RJ this week, but we still have some business to take care of, friend. Some NFL business, as you know. We have been doing the uh, we've we've been picking win totals. How many weeks has this gone on? Like six weeks? <laughs> it seems that way. Yeah, May thirtieth was our first one on and off. I don't have the. Um, do I have a list over here, McKenzie? The full list? I do. I th- no, maybe I don't. Pass me that, Scotty. Thank you, sir. This is the full list of win total wagers that has been made here, and this is dangerous because in this world. If you pick an under and and they go way under, you can win a lot of money. If you pick an under and they go way over, you can lose a lot of money. Uh, because essentially, the, be- the these picks that we made, the other f- what, four people on the show are automatically against. Now, what we have is two exceptions where there's been some um, some similarities. In the picks, and I'll go through the picks. Uh, I'll start with you, Scott. Who are your four picks? Your four wagers for season win totals. So I have the Bucks under six and a half. What's the and what's the market at now? Market now six point two. Okay. When we recorded, it was six point three. So you've got some value there. You're, got a little bit of value. That's good. For yes. You. Okay. Then I went Vikings over eight and a half. When we recorded, the market was at eight point six, and today the market's at eight point seven. Okay. So got a little bit of value there as well. I went with the Saints over nine and a half. Market was down actually nine two, and it stayed. It's it's the same nine okay. two, 
and Washington under six and a half. Market six four. Same thing, six four today. Now let me ask the expert, Steve Fezzik. What do you think of Scott's portfolio overall? Can I be blunt? Yeah, that's the whole point of this. I want honesty. Um, I don't know if you I, I, you can't handle the truth. I can handle the truth. Scott and, might not be able to. I can. I'm the. I'm just sitting here. I didn't make any of Scott's picks. You the, need me on that wall. <laughs> I um. You, you know what? I know McKenzie um, disagrees. You guys are with one of his freedom while I sit back and have my my pineapple martinis. That's right. I appreciate your service, both of you. Um, I am a data. By the way, you realize Scott didn't actually serve. I did. Whatever. He's uh, just on the wall metaphorically. Yeah. I was like actually on the wall. He knew the quote. Um, the uh, I am not a player person. I I, I have value of quarterback, backup quarterback, yep. and specific players and the like. So when the season starts in the NFL, I am very much a market-driven person. I look at what the sharp books are dealing. I look at what the marketplace is dealing on all these teams. So you see the problem. If I'm well aware of what the market is, <laughs> it's going to be difficult for me to do anything but say, hey, whatever the market is saying, is I'm going to tend to agree with it. So since Scotty's coming with a couple greens um, that the market is um, welcoming the Buccaneers and welcoming the Vikings a little bit, I'm going to say I like those. But um, it's too early, frankly. And, you know, I saw a a video. Someone was, was doing videos on college football. And he's like, are, are you concerned? They asked him, are you concerned you're giving away too much? You're telling t- people which team you like and which team you don't like? And he's like, I could change my opinion completely within three weeks. Sure. You know, depending upon what happens, it's too early for me to definitively say, you know, which way that I like other than if a team has a really impossible schedule um, or situation associated with that. So um, I don't have any strong conviction on any of these. Okay. Uh, let's move to McKenzie next. Because I, I, I'm, I'm going to play into a, a secondary topic. We're going to have a, an aside. It'll be about actual football, not r- some random thing. But it is an aside. So, McKenzie, what are your four plays? I have the Saints under. Direct, uh, direct opposite of Scott. Crossfire. 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 I also have the Falcons under. I have the Packers over. And I have the Browns over. Okay. If you guys could wipe from history one of the picks that you have right now, would you? And if so, which one would you wipe away? I would wipe away Saints over nine and a half. McKenzie? I think I would take out Falcons under. I'm not sure anything's changed in my mind. Other than the, the market. The market's moved heavily now, against this me. Is, McKenzie and I are on the same page here because the market is seemingly bullish on Atlanta now and lesser on the Saints. And McKenzie has the Saints under, so he's on the right side of the market. I have the Saints over, and he's would take out the Falcons under because he's on the wrong side of the market now. So that's that's kind of my feeling with the Saints over right now is that everyone seems to be in love with Atlanta. A lot of it has to do with the easy schedule, but everyone seems to be in love with Atlanta. It, it, but it's a copycat world, and I can tell you, hey, Raz gave out, you know, Right Angle Sports gave out Atlanta over, mm-hmm. right? And so what happens is like, oh, these guys are smart. So now I like Atlanta over, and so the market moves 40 cents. And frankly, I don't want to speak for McKenzie, but I would like nothing better than to, I, too, was on Atlanta under, and I would love to do away with that pick and then <laughs> hit it again right. at the good Once number. Once it hits to nine. Under, yeah. under yeah. the nine yeah. minus 130. Yeah, can, yes. I get, can I get Saints over nine instead of nine and a half? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let me ask you guys this. This is the aside that leads into the news. Alvin Kamara uh, today 
I guess he's what Scott. You explain the situation with Alvin Kamara. Like, so what are we looking at? He had the incident in Las Vegas. There was an assault case that happened here in town. Uh, we were waiting word on what was going to happen with these charges. He he was basically facing felony battery and bodily harm. He pled no contest, which is essentially pleading guilty, right? And what it means is the charge is now knocked down to a misdemeanor. And the charge is breach of peace. And what it is is, hey, you were you you were involved in a fight. We don't know exactly what you did, but we know you were involved. Thank you for admitting your fault. You will have to do 30 hours of community service, and you have to pay the victim $105,000 to cover his medical bills. And Kamara issues a public apology, and the whole thing goes away. No. But not according to the NFL. Because... According to the NFL policy on personal conduct, they list assault battery as a prohibited conduct. And it says. No, really? Huh. It says under the personal conduct policy, any player found to have engaged in that conduct could be subject to discipline even if there is no criminal conviction. And the NFL released a statement today saying, quote, we have been closely monitoring all developments in the matter, which remains under review. Okay. So what is your assumption on what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara? He gets a slap in the wrist. Pro- which is? Two games. A suspension of two games. One game, two games. He's not going to get six. He's not going to get four. But he's going to get something. Does that factor into you wishing that you could wipe the Saints over from the face of the earth? No, because they're still favored in game one against the Titans, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I do think the the line goes down once a suspension gets announced because if he doesn't play that game, I think the line goes to three. Fez, I know you're not uh, a player person, but like Alvin Kamara is probably outside the top ten in running backs at this point. If it's not a quarterback and it's not a top ten running back, how much does that move the needle on a game in your mind? I still think it's a half point, not that it's going to go three and a half to three because that's he's, a not, big jump. he's not a running back. He's a receiver okay. slash running back. So I think he's he's worthy mm-hmm. of being one of those guys that absolutely abs- – I mean, it, I think it would be ludicrous to say he doesn't move the needle at all, especially what's the knock on him? He's been banged up. Well, he's not going to be banged up week one. Mm-hmm. And the Saints were obviously preparing for this. They knew about this for several, several months. And what did they do in the offseason? They brought in Jamal Williams, the running back from from the Lions. So they have a perfectly capable starting running back if Kamara does, in fact, miss any time with the suspension. I don't think the team takes a direct hit. I still think still think they're going to beat the Titans week one. They're home favorites. But I could see the spread maybe moving a half a point. So here's something to think about. I would say right now, as, like at the end of last year, if you said rank the running backs in the NFL – I think Jamal Williams is better than Alvin Kamara. But again, Kamara is Kamara is like Fez said. He does so much more than just a running back. Like they're going to have both of them on the field at the same time. Kamara is going to catch passes. He's an offensive weapon, and you cannot take away the value he has in that Saints offense. But I agree with that. Do we think maybe there is going to be an overreaction because he's out? Like is this, it possible? Fez always says this that we. We know the information. We know what's out there. But once something gets publicly announced, people react for some reason. Oh, Kamara's out. 
Oh, we got to we got to bet that we already knew he's out. Yeah, of course, we all know he's out. He, even he, even he, he cost a hundred five thousand dollars <laughs> of medical expenses. Does that seem like a breach of the NFL? That seems a, a conduct. Yeah, you know that's like knocking every, every out every single one of the guys' teeth. And, and, I, and I think you know, and once, getting him replaced once it gets publicly announced that Alvin Kamara is suspended for Week One of the NFL season. Guess what's going to happen? People are going to bet the Titans, and that line's going to go down. Now that is sound advice. I like that. Yes. McKenzie, do you feel better about your Saints under now knowing that Alvin Kamara is likely to be suspended? Not really. I kind of priced it in. I mean, mm-hmm. he beat somebody up. He was under arrest. He was going to he was not going to he was going to miss week 1. I, I kind of expected that. Okay. So n- not really a needle mover in your mind, but at least on your on this bet. Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen people throw out 4 to 6 games for a while now. I'm That's not, sure not happening. You, this you, is what I've seen on, on on newspapers, you know. You assume it's not happening because he plead he he pled down to a lesser charge? Yes. Okay. Uh, all right, Steve Fezzik, what are your four season win totals that you ended up with? Yes, yeah, so I have the 49ers under 10.8. You know, it actually was like 11.5 with extra vague, I think, if I recall correctly. When you first recommended it, yes, but you double-dipped for this particular contest at a different number. All right, so under 10.8. I'm just going to give the decimals. Falcons under 8.3. I wish I, – I really like – if actually – like right now, under 8.7, I would fully endorse playing the Falcons under. Um, but of course, I wish I'd gotten a better number. Eagles under 11.5, and it's still 11.5, and that makes no sense to me. I really like that play. That actually, I think if there was one, that can't be wrong. That's like a total free. It's either a great bet or it's a 50 50 bet. And Chiefs under 11.7, I think that that is comparable as well. The more I look at this, it's hard to win 12 games. I know it's a 17 game season. But um, you can have a really good year and go ten and seven. Um, R.J. Bell has now. I, I, you're not going to like this, Fez. Three overs and one under. R.J. has over seven and a half on the Patriots, over six and a half on the Rams, over nine and a half on the Dolphins, and under. Ten and a half on the Buffalo Bills. What do you think of RJ's portfolio? I, I think the Rams could win three games this year. I mean, I I, I really think that the wheels could come off. Um, I Tua could get hurt, and the Dolphins could win. They, they could win seven games. I mean, it, it's fra- those, those are fragile teams. We'll see how they hold up. Uh, I forgot to ask you: Is it, what do you feel about McKenzie's overall portfolio with the uh, the pack, Packers over, Falcons under, Saints under, Browns over? I like them all. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he, with feels a couple the same, overs, he feels the same way. That. He has the Falcons, too, so he feels he already explained that one. Okay. And what about yours? If you could wipe one of your picks off the face of the earth right now, would it be the Falcons? Yeah, and reinstate. Only because the market's moved yeah, on yeah, you? I'm never going to like a pick that the market's moved against me. Uh, all right. My four are all unders. I went with the Bears under seven and a half. Uh, I went with the Dolphins under nine and a half, Chiefs under eleven and a half, and Texans under six and a half. You just hate those Texans since they barred you. No, <laughs> I, I mean I don't. I just think asking them to win seven games seems like a, a big ask, uh, considering all the turnover they've had the last couple of years. What do you think of my four choices, Fez? Like, if you uh, if you had to grade those, you feel comfortable with all of those choices, or did I did I make an error somewhere? Well, you and RJ went oppo on the Dolphins, so we'll just cancel that out. Chiefs under is good. Texans under has got to be good. And Bears, how are the, the Bears won three games last year? Yeah, 
I mean, and we're asking them to win eight. The Bears still suck, right? The Texans, highly technical. We're asking the Texans analysis. to win seven and the Bears to win eight. They don't even have a good home field advantage. The Green Bay takes over. They're they're going to lose to Green Bay, and then the adjusted season win number is going to be six and a half. Yeah. Okay, so I wouldn't. I don't think I'd take. I don't think I'd take back any of mine. Uh, I, I, RJ made fun of me for being excited about being head to head with him on the Dolphins, but. I think Tua is the most likely quarterback, even more so than Lamar Jackson, to be injured this season. And I really believe, and I've got, I've got no, um, no sources to back this up or anything like that. I really believe if Tua has another concussion, that he will be shut down for the season. Because I think if he has a concussion and goes and plays and then has a second one, it will be the end of his career. Mm. So I think they're going to handle him with the kiddiest of kid gloves. I, I still love that under. So uh, that's a breakdown of all of our picks from, from the, uh, the, I guess we've been doing this, what, since the early June we've been doing this thing. Now. By the way, our focus, I mean, this is what everyone's interested in. But if you really want to win money, you should be looking at player. If you have access to the books that have these skill position players, and they're over-unders. There's some, some really, really, really great Juicy bets that are going to be made that, that, that you can make, especially if, you know, pulling back the curtain, it can be as simple as you find a uh, crowded backfield for someone and who's going to be the starting running back or who's going to get the majority of the carries, and it changes during preseason in terms of the forecast. Now, one of the things that we said at the beginning of this is you can't copy somebody else's picks. If you duplicate a pick that's already been made, there's a price to pay. And that means you have to fade, you have to go head to head and fade one of that person's picks. There were only two instances of this where it was, they said, you know what, the best, it's the best play. And that's what we're all aiming for is the best play. The best play, two times this season, somebody said, yeah, somebody else has already picked it, but that's the best one. One of those times, Fez picked a play that I picked. Uh, back in on June 20th, I picked the Chiefs under. Uh, and then Fez, two weeks later, said Chiefs under is the best play available. Now, Fez, that means you have to fade one of my picks. But you've just said you like all of my picks. So here's what I'm going to propose to you. I'm going to propose a deal. That instead of fading one of my picks, you give me uh, safety if Atlanta goes under. And I know you said you'd love to erase it from history. I still don't like Atlanta to win nine games. I, 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 like It would blow my mind if Atlanta wins nine games. So I, if you give me safety on Atlanta winning or, or going under, I will give you a pass on fading one of my teams. Does that, a fair, does that sound like a fair deal? It does. Okay. So yes. it, it takes away a bet from, from me that I should have had, and it, it takes away a bet from Fez. McKenzie, you picked the same bet as Fez. You picked the uh, the Falcons. On the same the day? The same day. I don't I, – it doesn't feel to me like this, there should be punishment because I remember this day, and we put all our picks in the middle. Mm-hmm. On, like, a piece of paper. We wrote it yes. down. Yes. Yeah. And – so McKenzie picked it essentially at the same time as Fez. He picked it with no knowledge that mm-hmm. Fez was picking it. I agree with this logic. I, but RJ has spoken on this already. 
and said that you you have to you have to fade one of Fezzik's picks. The the idea is more picks for the people, so we can't just double up and you know go with the, the yes. wisest guy in the room. So yeah, all right, I'll fade one. What's your fade? 49ers over 10 and a half. Obviously, it's vigged, whatever the DraftKings number is right now. I'll make this real simple. There's been six teams since 1989 to win 12 straight games by 15 points per game. 98 Broncos, pretty good, two-time Super Bowl champion. 2005 Colts, pretty good. They, went the, they won the Super Bowl the next year. 2007 Patriots did this. They lost the Super Bowl. But okay, we, we can say they're pretty good. The Saints did it. They won the Super Bowl. The Ravens in 2019, they've been pretty good. And the 49ers, they put in the work to be one of the best teams in the league. We're like fourth in the win total right now. Too low. Okay. If Fez, are, are you still feeling bearish on the 49ers today? Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe that those any of those six teams, though, had like a like Mr. Irrelevant, a quarterback that is coming in with borderline Tommy John surgery. And Bobby Brister started the 98 Broncos season. He played like six games for them. What are your thoughts on Brock Purdy? And I know, Didn't like the Broncos suck with Bobby Brister. They went fourteen and two, and they had an eighteen-game winning streak. None of those losses were on Bobby Brister. He what, was undefeated. What was the year after Elway retired? They didn't. They did, weren't the Broncos like like very mediocre. I don't know about very mediocre, but yeah, we didn't win the Super Bowl the next year or anything. Brian Greasy was the quarterback. I know they went under. Yeah. Do you want to bet that? I bet they didn't go under. They went eight and eight. I bet they didn't go under. I will bet you. I will lay minus one. I will lay minus twelve hundred that they went under. 1,200 to win 100. Right. Wow. Uh, Is it a bet, McKenzie? No. You seem very confident. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> because I wrote an article in the Blackjack Players Forum about how that was my best bet that the Broncos would go under. And I don't recall if it was nine and a half. I, I think it was nine and a half, but I know it was a winner. But they definitely went under. Okay. Broncos 99 went six and 10. Oh, must be thinking of the next year. Okay. Well, well. Good on you, McKenzie, for avoiding that pitfall because should have laid three twenty-five. Twelve to one. <laughs> I, yeah, it, honestly, if you, it, McKenzie, think about that. If he had said, "I'll lay two to one," would you have taken the bet? I would have been much more interested. Yes, yeah. like twelve to one just feels like it's too good to be true. And I was like, "Oh my god, I almost want to take that." <laughs> I don't even know what happened that year. Twelve to one. But g- kudos to you, McKenzie, for seeing that that was a pitfall. McKenzie's worked here long enough to know. That if Fez when RJ or, when yeah. RJ or Fez offer you a bet that feels like it's too good to be true, it probably is. So uh, kudos to McKenzie for uh, for avoiding that trap. All right, so Fez, you you haven't changed your mind at all about the 49ers. You think they are an underperforming team this year? I do. It's all quarterback. Well, I, I meant to. I was, that's what I was trying to ask you. Is what are your thoughts on Brock Purdy overall? If if Brock Purdy performs at 80% of what he did last season, if that's what he gives you for a full season, where does he rank on your quarterback rankings? Oh, gosh. I define 80%. I don't even know what that means. Okay, so let, let, okay, what Brock Purdy was last season, let's say he is, uh, I don't know, like... Somebody get me a map of Indiana. He, I'm looking for my quarterback rating. He's slightly, slightly worse than he was a year ago, but mapped out over a full season. Where, where does he fall? He's average. Okay. Yeah. Um, you Matt, agree? In the time that he did play last season, he was above average, correct? No, no, no doubt at all about, about that. And by the way, it's a map of Louisiana. What movie am I referencing, Scott? Somebody get me a map of Louisiana. 
That would be the firm after mm. Tom Cruise's mm. brother, like, like escapes. And it's your second to, Tom Cruise reference today. Trying to find him. He's all yes, over he's, him. He's, yeah. He and Michael Douglas are just incredibly great. Um, Purdy, I have... I have my quarterback rating for Purdy at a zero. So 20, he's 20th a, best. He's an average 20th, quarterback. 20th best, yes. You agree with that, McKenzie? Do you, do you think Purdy's an average quarterback, or where do, you, where do you think he falls this season? No, I think he has a chance to be great. He came in with no prep, no training camp. No one ever said, this is your job, you're going to earn it. And he had the third best QBR. If he was prorated over the season, he would have, what, the, let me look at it here, 10th best PFF. Okay, but they, they judge on a curve when it's a new guy. I think this year... He'll have the same QBR, and PFF guys will come around. Do you agree, Steve, that to McKenzie's point, if there, if you said there's there's a quarterback, a coach who can take a quarterback off the street at a Sunset Park, as RJ would say, and get something out of him, would you agree that Kyle Shanahan's at the top of the oh, list of guys to do it? I, I, absolutely. I mean, we keep, we you know we keep seeing it. You know, with um, although um, like when Kyle Shanahan was coaching Matt Schaub. Listen, I saw Matt Schaub with my own eyes. <laughs> Matt Schaub was not a good football player. Matt Schaub led the league in passing How come yards. they can't win any games if Jimmy G's not quarterbacking, though? They won 12 they won, games in a row. They won a lot of games with Brock Their Purdy. last 12 games. All right, I'm just remembering the one year where they— You're thinking they, of all the other team, the other quarterbacks that weren't Jimmy G. So, if anything, yeah. Brock Purdy says, hey, I'm at least what Jimmy G is because yeah. I'm good enough to win games with this team. And I, I think the thing that scares me, and I, I'm kind of neutral on the 49ers, at least at this number. I, like, I, I don't feel good saying I believe one of you is right or wrong. I do think that, like, the idea that the 49ers are somehow going to be a, a seven or eight win team is outrageous. Yeah, no, that, that's, not, that's not happening. Because I, th- we agree they've got non-quarterback, it's a top-five roster, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You agree with that? Sure, but there was a top-five roster. If they have no quarterback— they're going to win five games. If they have a crappy quarterback, they'll, they, they, I mean, they got destroyed in the playoff game. Now, now I, I get it. They got a quarter, they, they went with a quarterback that couldn't throw the ball more than 12 yards forward. So, all right, fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm torn on this one. Uh, I, I, I can't say that I'm planting my flag one way or the other. All right, let's move on to the NFL, like bettable NFL games, because it's out now, Fez. The Hall of Fame game, you can bet on it. August 3rd. It's it's here. How many days from that is now? Today's the 11th. It's like it's, it's a little over three weeks away. Boy, it's coming up fast. Are you surprised at the number? What is your, what's your, your first take when you see the Jets, Brown, uh, Jets Browns number posted at opens at 34, opens at a pick quickly? Moves to Browns minus two and a half. Two and a half is too high. I mean, it's 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 a complete exhibition game. I mean, games land one and two all the time in preseason. So this is not like an NFL line move where, oh, if they win, they're probably going to cover. No, they, the teams teams do their damnedest to not mm-hmm. have a game ever. You know, wind up you know tying. So games land one and two all the time. So two and a half is a bridge too far. And we don't. Aaron Rodgers probably not playing in this game. You know, a lot of starters probably not playing in this game for both of these teams. There's people listening who are like Fez is being incredibly lazy. He's got to give give us the quarterback rotation. I'm sure people who bet this are aware of the quarterback rotation. So caveat, you do have to map out who's going to play. And obviously, a running quarterback, a bad running quarterback, is quite. A good weapon in preseason. Well, right now, so for the Browns, it's not going to be Watson. It might be Josh Dobbs starting. You'll probably get Dorian Thompson-Robinson 
DTR. You don't think you see any Deshaun Watson? No, not for the first. Not because remember the the Hall of Fame game is an extra preseason I game. I agree. Yeah. So they're not going to play in the Hall of Fame game. They're they're going to play what would what would be the normal preseason schedule starting the week after the preseason the 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 Hall of Fame game. And for the Jets, you're not going to see Aaron Rodgers. Maybe you see Zach Wilson, but I'll tell you who you probably will see is Chris Strebler. And if you remember, Strebler last year in the preseason was like a revelation for the Jets. People wanted him to be the quarterback during the regular season when Wilson sucked because what does Strebler do? He's basically a, a, a worse Tim Tebow. He gets he on runs. base. He runs. He runs. He gets on base, yeah. His girlfriend's ugly, though. Low confidence. Uh, <laughs> that's a money ball. What, what was it? Se- Seneca Wallace is like Mr. August. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like so a So Strebler, you can have two running quarterbacks in this game. You have DTR. The rookie, two, uh, not Strebler's not a rookie, but the rookie going from UCLA for the Browns, and you might have Strebler at quarterback for the bulk of the time for the Jets. When you see that number thirty-four, and that hasn't moved, like, does that make sense to you? To, like, like you said, it is an exhibition game, but it's too high. 33, 32 and a half. Yeah, okay, it's like thirty-four is like it's just the Hall of Fame game is not like Week One. If you look historically, it is. The coaches are looking for a reason to not run any more plays. Now, when you say it's not like week one, do you mean it's not like week one of the preseason? Yeah. Or it's not like week one of the regular season? Week, well, I mean, obviously, it's not the regular. But obviously, like it's not it's even. Not the but you're saying it's not like week one of the of the preseason, preseason. even. Yeah, the preseason total, you can make a case for a total so, being as high as forty. So the Hall of Fame game is essentially a bunch of guys who are likely not making the roster. With few exceptions. Like, yeah. I mean, a couple backup quarterbacks will make it, but like, these are all bottom of the roster guys, guys who mm-hmm. they, they don't expect much out They're, of this season. Yeah, exactly. So, it, it, but at the same time, that means a bunch of bottom of the roster guys playing defense too, which, you know, but historically, this has been a low scoring game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I've done. I, I'm just remember from the analysis. It's certain things like we're we're coming off the MLB All Star game and three two. Uh, it's bottom of the ninth right now. Two runners on, two strikes on the batter, and it's a two-two camp. And it's still three to two. Three to two. Yeah. Three to two. National League. Thank you. Um, it, it's like basic strategy. You play the Hall of Fame game under basic strategy. You play the All Star game under, and then you you and then you you analyze. But you, that's it's either under or you pass. Well, and we're all hoping for this under to cash tonight uh, on the All Star game. Strike three. Kimbrel strikes out Ramirez. National League wins three two. So success. What I'm sharp money on the under, National League? A lot of sharp money in the National League. I gave it out last night on straight out of Vegas AM. Look at you. Look at you. Uh, average combined score since 2000 in the Hall of Fame game 31.9. And remember, that's... And you said the number should be what, 32? I said 32 in like a half. Yeah. Okay. I said I, I, at under 33, I lean that's, under. At I mean, 34, I'll play under. That's yeah. strong that you were like, it should be 30. I think you did say under 30. You said, I think you said it should be 32. Although scoring in the that's preseason... That's really impressive. Scoring in the preseason has gone up dramatically, all right? So, but... But this isn't a regular preseason. But this be exactly, yes. Uh, any advantage for the Browns being that it's... It's not a home game, but in Canton, it's it's close to a home game for the Browns. Half a point. Yeah, it's uh, an hour drive from Cleveland to Canton. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Browns fans. Joe Thomas is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. He's good. So you'll have a lot of Browns fans there for Joe Thomas. But i got to be honest, the Jets have Joe Klecko and Darrell Rivas being inducted to the Hall of Fame. They're the only team that has two players. Which is why you said months ago 
the Jets are going to get picked to play in the Hall of Fame yeah, game. When they, when they announced the class of the Hall of Fame and we saw that Joe Klecko and Darrell Reeves were getting to the Hall of Fame, I said the Jets are being selected to be the Hall of Fame game. So do you it think makes, it, uh, it negates some of the advantage? I do. I do. Because I, I think there will be a lot of Jets fans there. And the thing with the type of Jets fans, this is what's important. Home field advantage now in the NFL, certain fan bases are obviously stronger than others. I think at MetLife Stadium for the Jets and the Giants, it's yeah. not. It's yeah. It's Meh. it's really nothing. Point and but, a half. But you go back several years, and it was a strong home field advantage. With modern times, the fan base has just kind of faded away. With the Jets obviously sucking, but also it's just just faded. New stadium also how it hurts. Anyway, how's a new stadium hurt? Just because it, it it's it corporate, doesn't, it doesn't corporate feel corporate crowd. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like their home. Doesn't feel like home. It's the most bland stadium in the NFL. Just no, there's like no decorations. Just bland concrete walls. It's like a giant refrigerator, uh, not refrigerator, a giant the air conditioner. Just, okay. just doesn't feel like a you know whatever. Anyway, the with Joe Klecko getting into the Hall of Fame. He's like the last of the sack exchange to get in. Yeah. And he kept, was passed over year after year after year. And he's such a beloved member of the Jets community. I think that there's going to be a lot of old school Jet fans that will travel to Canton for this honor, for this moment, to see one of their favorite players get inducted into the Hall of Fame. The type of Jets fans that would sell out Giant Stadium and not allow opposing fans to you know, to, to take over the stadium. I think you're going to get a large contingent of past generation Jets fans that travel to Canton for this. Okay. You agree with that, Fez? I do. All right. All right. On to the college game, which is rapidly approaching as well. And while RJ often refers to Scott and I as college football experts, and those are sports that we both uh, we both like to wager on. We do a little podcast that'll be cranking up here pretty soon as well. Steve Fezzik has some strong numbers for early season college football. What are you seeing here, Fez? So I went ahead and took a look. At, I want to do a snapshot. I want to compare this year to last year, week zero through week one. So basically the end of August, early September games. Yep. Week zero is August 26th this year. So that is week zero. There was only going to be two, four, six, nine games. seven games. Seven. seven games on Saturday, August 26th. And then there's like games on Thursday. Thursday the 31st is like a big kickoff day. Okay. So I looked at what the average total was in 2022 of all those games, right around 55.3. This is week zero and one combined? That's correct. And what's what's the number again? I'm 55.3. Okay. Was the closing number. Was higher for, for the openers. Uh Betters look to play unders, and they were successful because unders did indeed cash 26 and 15 to the under. Oh, okay. Against the closing number, average 55.3. So now I look and I say to myself, all right, well, if it was 55.3 and that was too high, we had more unders than overs, we need to lower those numbers probably. So it should be a little bit lower, and it is a little bit lower. The current average is 54.8. So there was an adjustment made. Half a point. Half a point. So all things being equal, yeah, they adjusted. I still think, yeah, all things being equal, if nothing changed, I would look to play select unders. But, but there's more. Changed. There's more because they changed the rules on us. 
and college football games last too long. If you disagree with me, you're just wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, so thank God now the clock's not going to run. If you get a first down and you're still in the field of play, the clock's going to keep going tick, tick, tick. It's not going to stop, all right? And the estimate that most people that I've spoken to have it being worth two or even maybe two and a half points um, a reduction in scoring. And and I agree with this and where I, I said, well, if we get 30 first downs in the field of play, on average, let's assume seven seconds, extra se- seconds get runoff. Well, that's 210 seconds. So if it's 210 seconds, seven times 30, yeah, that works. That's three and a half minutes. And so if we score one point per minute, I know it's not linear. There's more scoring sure. at the end of the half. That's three and a half points. So I'm willing to scale that back a little bit and say, all right, up to about three points lower scoring. And that assumes a total of 60, and that's a little too high because the average total is a little bit less. Call it two and a half points, all right? So if we're two and a half points lower, and the, but the current number makes sense given last year's numbers, then we're way too high still, and there's value playing unders to the point of I would encourage everyone to look to play unders, specifically the week zero games and the midweek. I'll call those week one half games, Thursday the and Thursday Friday. Games, yep. And I went and took a look at those specific games last year, nine and two to the under. Ooh. The year before, thirteen and three to the under. So you get teams, you get, you give them that extra week. You make the game on Saturday when they're in their comfort zone. They they the scoring picks up a little bit, but you you make them play without fans in the state. A lot of the times of this, a lot of these places, some of the kids are back. Sometimes they're not back, but you make them play Saturday, August twenty sixth. Now they're hurting, and you make them play midweek. Um, they're they're not in their normal cycle, and it seems to hurt the offense more than the defense. And certainly, the numbers reflect that. Now, you and I kicked around some some games uh, offline. Um, we we discussed games that we both liked to the under, and we said, okay, here's a game that we both like. Let's get it to our clients. Let's get a bet down on it, and. This is clearly a pretty uh, a pretty movable market right now because yeah. we can talk about the game because yeah today when we when when this morning uh, actually it was I guess it was a couple days ago we first started talking about this we were looking at potential unders and one of the games that I had circled was for it's a week one game not a week zero game but it's a week one game between TCU and Colorado and the number was at fifty two at the time. 62. 62, pardon me, yeah. Was it 62? And I was thinking, there's no Max Dugan at TCU. They return a lot of defense. Colorado's a, it's a whole new thing. They're going up against a defense that was playing in the national championship a year ago. From a, from a, and this was nice because Fez and I look at this a little bit differently. Like A lot of my unders, that he, like when he asked me for unders, the ones that I gave him, a lot of it's based on returning production Mm -hmm. like who's got a lot of offense or who doesn't have a lot of offense coming back who has a lot of defense coming back uh who is efficient running teams which i think those are the teams that it are going to be more likely to go under because and this year the rule those are the teams most impacted by this rule yeah yes Mm -hmm. so i looked at tcu in colorado that number's too high there's no way they're going to put up that many now tcu could put up some points no doubt but they've got a new quarterback in their system. So it feels like if there's ever a time where they're working out some kinks, this would be it. So I said under 62, that's probably the one. Fez says, okay, let's make a move on this. 
we get a bet in, our clients get bets in, I hope. <laughs> and what, four hours later, totals at 59. Is that the current total, like as we speak here, Mac, for TCU? and At the, uh, at the sharp books, there's still some stragglers out there. Uh, yeah, it is, it's fallen down quickly. Uh, yeah, 59 right now. Uh, look at DraftKings, you can still get a 60. But for the most part, it's 59. And just to pull back the curtain. So I know I'm moving on this game, all right? It's yeah. about noon, all right? And so I tell some of my guys, I'm like, this is a line directly from Wall Street. I'm like, you know, start buying up TCU, Colorado under. Buy price is 61.5 or better, all right? But And I said, and keep it quiet. What do I mean by that? You can't bet it at, like, these super – the books that are identified pinnacle. Um, uh, Chris – you can't bet it there because as soon as it moves there, it's it moves everywhere. Everywhere, but if it moves at Treasure Island or Station at Casino, who cares? No one's going to like give that much credence other than oh, they took a bet. Somebody bet under, so that's the places that you got to start nibbling. And you know, I, I was thinking about this. RJ always talks about the like the liquidity of the market, and I think it's a lot less liquid than he thinks it is. I mean, I get it. There's, there's syndicates out there that have, like, lots of paper ads, and they can get a whole bunch of money down because they employ a whole bunch of people to do it for them, you know, at, at um, white labels and things like that. But if you're actually, you know, you're betting for yourself, and, it like, it like, there's a lot of work it takes to get, like, a network of people that can bet for you. And guess what? Those people tend to abscom, 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 abscond. abscond with your money sometimes. Yeah. So you're you're probably not going to get paid 100 cents on the dollar when you're winning long term. I guarantee you won't. Such that you know the true liquidity. I'm going to ask Scott this. What do you think? Like a base. How much could you get down? Let's say it's pick 'em um, anywhere from minus 105 all the way up to minus a dollar 10 on the Yankees or playing the Red Sox. If I said Scott, I need to, I need to get down on the Yankees. I got to get down minus 110 or less. How much do you think we, we could be able to get down working together? On that, based on the limits in town, limits in town, and and the people you know, and the big offshores also, five thousand, way higher baseball. Well, I'm with Circa will take like twenty thousand. Okay, I'm just just at Circa, I think they'll take like twenty thousand. So, but 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 it's interesting. RJ would probably say like four hundred thousand. So the answer is somewhere between. Really? So, uh, well, I, I was just thinking like DraftKings and, and like those books. You're not going to be able to get much down on it. You know, you probably unless you know someone. That like so you only have one guy who can bet twenty thousand on it. Yeah, but that's a whale. That's a, like a loser. Mm-hmm. You know, you, but but if you don't have that, now all of a sudden you got like the you got the big four. You got like Pinnacle, you got Chris, you got um, you can bet at Caesars. I'm gonna put them in the big four, and you can bet at Circa. And now after that, you know, you can bet on bet online has pretty good bet, limits. Yeah, you can bet bet but online. I, you're, you're right though. And Circa, maybe has, West, Circa West, has the best limits. But here's the problem: you can't like a lot of these the apps like at Westgate. The, the, you can bet a dime. So, oh, well, I'll just go over to Westgate. But a second Westgate, there, people are looking at the screen. All of a sudden, you know, Jeff um, over at um, Circa might see, hey, Westgate just went to the Yankees minus 15. You know what? We're going to go to minus $1. twelve. You know, it might spook the market. You know, so it's, it's very difficult. Yes. Now, so 50, I'd say 50 to 100,000 on it. On an MLB side, if you've got all your accounts funded, mm-hmm. I would not go more than 100000 I think that's a that's the most you can get down without compromising yourself to obviously you can get down whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you're laying a dollar fourteen. Now, well, now how much can, eight. how much can you get down on a September college football game 
in early July. Side or total? A total. What we're talking about here. What What do you think the max you could have gotten down at uh, six, 62? What, what's the most you could have gotten down? I think, let's say 61 and a half. Okay. Uh, it's hard to get down 10,000. That's, that's yeah. a hard number. That's that's you're really doing it good if you're getting if you're getting in ten. And that includes what you could have bet at Pinnacle and Circa. Everything, everything. What's yeah. the limit on a on a college football total at Circa right now? Dying. I'm going to look it up right total, now. Total one thousand. Wow, one thousand. And, and the if, second you bet at Circa, it, 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 it's down everywhere. Here comes the memo. Like you, to really, everybody. You really need to have like a buddy who's at the at the window at the same time as you it, it's somewhere else and saying, "Hey, let's." Well, the, when the All Star Game's going on, remember it's a dead time, so a lot of people aren't working. So, so you got yeah. a little more time than normal. One K on three K on sides, one K on totals. But wouldn't you say during the All Star Game, like that's the time when they don't have to watch anything that's going on today? So all they're doing is watching games that are happening down the road, right? They're they're in they're at Las Brisas at, at Laguna Oh, they're, they're Beach taking a day right off now, having their lobster. Okay, <laughs> yeah, they got the C team, and you know what? And the C team's very scared about moving lines because it's like, oh, Chris Anders, Andrews Hall of Fame bookmaker put those lines for a reason, and if I move them and he takes a bet the other way, he's going to be like, what the hell are you doing? I there was a reason I had I had those lined the way they were. So this is the first game that's been moved. Well, not the first game, but this let's say this is the this happened today. This game moved basically a full 3 points. Might still be if, the right side to go under. Might 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 still well be. Sure. Let's say we did something similar in 2 or 3 days and we like we say, "Okay, let's let's move on this. Let's give it to our clients." Now, like we're talking about two months out from the games, like do you think another game like that would move two or three points? Sure. It's going to get harder because now, like like if I'm betting this at Chris and Caesars and other places, and they're like, every time Fez bets one of these things. Well, that's my question. Well, I'm, I'm, it, 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 at it one point, moves after, I move at a point and then it moves another point and a half. What, what am I waiting for? So at what point does the book say, okay, all week zero college football totals, move them down a point? Like is that is that something crazy that that could happen? Like no, because if no one's betting on a game, they're not going to move it. Yeah, but not, if, if everybody's betting unders week week zero, it's possible. But you know what? Everyone won't bet unders. I did take a look. You're at, saying like, bookmakers aren't proactive. Like they they don't they don't no. look ahead and say, okay, everybody's betting these unders. We just need to make everything a little bit lower. No. One of the greatest distinctions between good betters, average betters, and great betters. There are no great betters that respect bookmakers. <laughs> There are none. I mean, I, I don't know of a one. I mean, I still remember there was one guy. Um, oh gosh, I forgot his name. He used to run around. He had no computer, and he would handwrite all his notes. And whenever any I would bring up any book at all, he his response is, "Oh, they're so stupid." You know, when it came to like the the, the futures that he was betting and the like, and he was playing like under ten and over nine and a half um, on NFL season wins and the like. But um, you know, if I look last year, by example. There are plenty of games that took action to the over. Like one game went from 57.5 to 60.5 on week zero. Um, another game went from 53 to 54.5. So two games got bet up by a point and a half or more. Um, and then I see a game that, oh, here's a game going from 59.5 to 51. Um, but there, I mean, there's plenty of mm-hmm. like, like a narrative will come out and they'll be like, oh, this quarterback's really good. Or oh, and here comes whenever a coach gets interviewed. How many coaches are going to say we're going to go more conservative and um, and, ro- and run slow tempo this year? None. 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 That's not the way of the world right now. No, uh, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to look to get an attack at the line of scrimmage, and then people are going to buy into that and take him at his word. And you know what? As Mike Tyson once said, "Everyone has a plan until what, Scott? 
Till it fails. Till I get punched in the mouth. Thank oh, yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, all of a sudden, when your quarterback throws like a god awful ball that should have been intercepted, guess what? No more hurry up. Yeah, let's let's be careful with the ball. Right. Yeah, I, it feels like. It, it, I mean, in your opinion, if you're playing, if would you say if you're planning on betting totals for week zero or week one? If you're not playing them right now, you're making a mistake. Yes. And I would also say... Because do you think the average total is going to be down a full point by the time kickoff starts? Like, yeah, if you said, the what's, board. what's the average today? What's the average on September 1st? Point, it, one point lower. One point. The board. I'll say, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go point and a half. I'll, I'll say a point, point and a half. I'll say wow. a, point, a point and a half. Um, also, one more rules change that's not as significant but impacts quarters. If you have a penalty... On the final play of the first quarter or the third quarter, this, the quarter does end. There's not an extension Correct. for one more play. So that's going to save your bacon on some under seven and a half first quarters when there's pass interference in the end zone. Mm-hmm. And then, okay. It, 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 uh, no more. There's no more untimed down. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, all things to consider. And, man, I, I, I'm with you. Like, and today, if, if, like if I didn't believe you before, seeing is believing today the idea that uh, like you said, hey, go get your bet down now. If you like this bet, go get it down now. And I did. I'm fortunate that I live literally across the street from a, a station's casino, and I rode my bicycle over today <laughs> and got a wager down. Get and, on your bike and ride. Yeah, and I didn't think much of it. Like I, Fez said, hey, it's gonna move. And I assumed like once once Fez gave it out, and I gave it to all my clients. And I, you know, there's. Again, we talked about this last week. If you get in early, subscribe early. We're in a world of copycats. You don't think there's going to be other people that are going to look at this and it's like, it's like tomorrow in Vison, Josh Applebaum is going to come on and Scott. What is he <laughs> going to be touting as far as the that's the sharp week, the sharp move yesterday? You know, the point total went from sixty three to sixty one in this TCU game. Yeah. These are not. These are not. This, this is not the public here. These are professional betters willing to tie up their money for two months mm-hmm. to get down on this total. They must feel it is off by a considerable amount, which we do, by the way. So, I mean, it, 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 we've tipped our hand, no question about it. Yes. And that's kind of the problem for me. Is like, man, like, and I'm I'm certainly not betting the numbers, like the 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 amounts that you are. But the idea that, yeah, I, I might not cash this ticket for two months, it's, it frustrates me. It flusters me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, so you can't go to Texas D Brazil and you can, you can just fast. You're not, you're not wasting you're saying away here. I, I can go twice after it cashes. Is, well, is ideally, way you want to reinvest the, 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 the I can never I can never enjoy the, the – uh, listen, if I invest money for two months on a, a college football week zero total – I want to have. I want to like at least experience some benefit to it at the end. Like, let's, you let's, can't tell me reinvest that in a week two game. Let, let's talk uh-uh. about this. So I was talking to. I don't know if you guys know Andy Lang. So I was talking to Andy, and he's got like no secret. Years ago, I did the Fez deck, and I t- turned a thousand into ten thousand with Jeff Jones, who was a naysayer. It's like nobody wins at this. And I'm like, give me a thousand, and I'll invest your thousand, and we built it up to ten thousand. All right, then it got. And we're like, it would, the scalability got difficult. Mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't really want to. I didn't mind giving them thirty dollar bets, but then when I started giving them two hundred dollar bets on things, I started. It started to like that's hey, it's, that, that's my money that I could that I could be making. But the point is that 
Um, if, and if per Andy, if you make three percent on average per week, that doesn't sound like that much. That sounds doable, right? What's the return right now on the S and P five hundred? It's three percent a year instead okay. of <laughs> or three percent every six months instead of three yeah. percent every every week. But I'm saying, ah, you'd be a bet, you know, strikeout props and really soft stuff, and you go twelve and ten, you know, and like you lay into minus a dollar ten, you go twelve and eleven, you know, after the vig, and you bet three percent of bankroll, you, you make your three percent. Um, it's not an unreasonable. It's an aggressive assumption, but not unreasonable if you're betting props. Well, if you grow 3% per week, after five years, you can turn a thousand apparently into a million, you know? So the, the power of compounding interest, well, obviously this, the, where this falls apart is not when you're going from a thousand to 10,000, but right around when you get like to 50,000 and now you're, you're, you're trying to bet even at 10,000 and you're betting your 3% play. Now you got to risk 300. That's still doable. But now, if you get to fifty thousand, now you got to get down fifteen hundred on a runs hits errors prop or um, a, a pitcher strikeout prop. Mm-hmm. That's going to start getting darn difficult, and also you're going to start getting kicked out of book after book. Now, this because of this system that you see, and the, the rules change, and like you said, you see this as a, an overall mispriced market. Like, can you be convinced to play an over today, or would no. you, if you, if there was an no. over to be played, you would play that? September 1st. Exactly. I, I will look selectively to play possibly overs at post, but I, I got to tell you. Some of the ones I sent you, you said, hey, I've got a, another guy who is pushing back on this one. Yes. Let, let's slow down on that one. It, it's more that I'm hoping he'll give it to his clients and pop it up a point, and then I can, I can get okay. a better number. Um, but you're not willing to put down an over today. I have not personally made one bet on an over and I, I can't help but look at the 25 and – well, well, well the f- 22 and 5 to the under, week zero and week a half the last two years, 22 and 5, guys. That's strong, man. It really I mean, is. That's Army, Navy, under stuff there. All right, so, that's, that's even better. But. Let's remind people the, the total that you gave out on TCU Colorado. We gave out under 61.5. We bet under 62. I got a piece of 62.5, but mostly 62. We bet under 62 for TCU Colorado. I gave it out to clients under 61 and a half. I don't know if it, you probably did the same. I gave it 62 because it was Very still good. widely available. When you when you texted me, it was widely available at 62. Yes, and 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 you know what's interesting is like I've got I I have a client out there who 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 was talking to Tom. He's like, I'm talking you know with Fez. I'm I'm really having trouble getting his numbers. They're never available, and it's like you know what I can't I, I can't do anything about it. I'm like literally there was still a 62 on the screen. I'm giving out under 61 and a half, and. Three minutes later, you can't even get 60 and a half. And you know what? Get my long-term package. Don't buy my daily packages. I don't want you to buy it. Do never buy my daily packages. I had the All-Star game under tonight. If you bought it an hour before the game started, you played under seven and a half, lay a dollar twenty-five. All right? You could have played under seven and a half, lay fifteen. You had when I give that out, this entire screen was painted under seven and a half minus fifteen. There was not a minus one twenty on the screen. My plays are gonna move. You got to be ready to go, ready to rock. Get your email notification there. As soon as I give out a pick, and I'm going to try my best to have three select for most of my plays. Give out 7 a.m. Pacific time, 9:30 a.m. Pacific time, 9:30 p.m. Pacific time. Those three times, I would say three quarters of my picks are going to be. But if there's a great pick, I didn't give this out to my clients, but I could have. Like like Fitzgerald gets gets fired. Northwestern under three and a half. Like that's an example. We probably should have played that. Minus 145 now. Yeah, we should, but we should have played that. It's under three and a half minus one forty-five. Yep. Good play. I'd play that. I agree. Um, you still, you probably should have played that when he got suspended for two weeks, and then. But as soon as you heard, oh, it's going to be more than two weeks. Well, what's more than two weeks? You get fired. 
and the, the fake news. It's like, oh, he got we got fired. Of course he got fired. We knew he was going to get fired. It was already it already should have been baked in the number. But I got under three and a half minus fifteen a good hour after I the I got. We got the news that, that 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 he was indeed fired. And by the way, this is a great example of are you working hard enough to win sports betting? If you don't have a Northwestern under bet, minus three and a half lay a dollar twenty-five or less, you're not working very hard. That's fine. It's July. It's cool. I'm I'm okay with that. But if you're telling me I'm working my butt off, Stephen, I'm really having trouble winning, bullshit. You're not working at all. Which by it's the way, like the most obvious bet in the world, sharp fifth grader. But Johnny's like, Daddy. <laughs> your your team's coach got fired. How's that going to impact Northwest? Oh, it's going to help. They're going to they're going to ra- they're going to rise up and like get people to transfer. In you didn't now. tell him that he got fired over butt stuff, did you? Um, over butt stuff. Well, I mean, they said there was bad sexual hazing going on. I I don't know. Uh, there was no sexual activity going on at Northwestern. When <laughs> none. I <was> Only the <laughs> football players none. had sexual activity going. So that number opened at four, and I actually— The week one number you're talking about. Yeah, against, against Rutgers. And which, I laid some five and five and a half when the news was breaking. But it was—I mean, it was at three and a half. Mm-hmm. So it went from three and a half to now six and a halfs and sevens. Now, this is an excellent uh, exercise. Fezzik, you see the week one spread moves three points— Against them, assuming that every other game moves a certain amount of points, shouldn't their win total move as well? Of course. So shouldn't played under three and so a half. Shouldn't, shouldn't it go down to two and a half or three? So we in the NFL, it's easy, right? So we go well, with thirty-five points as a win, right? So mm-hmm. three is what, what's called this. Let's call this a two-point move. That's okay. conservative, um, and it's easy for me to do the math also. So sure. two two times eleven. Is game twelve two times twelve? Thank you. Is twenty four points. That's mm-hmm. two thirds of a win. So instead of three and a half, now we're at like two point eight. Yep. Yep. And three and a half still available at minus one forty five. It's funny. Look at what I wrote down before the show. Northwestern under three and a half wins. You know, and that would be actually if it's widely available, which I doubt. Go and bet that. I mean, there's no way in hell that's going to be widely available yeah. tomorrow. It's on DraftKings right now. Uh, also, yeah. speaking of DraftKings, that TCU Colorado total down to sixty. Yeah, and and like and this is an example where where like I, I just don't respect bookmakers. It's like no no good bookmaker would lay would put Northwestern at three and a half minus forty five. And by the you way, minus seventy five. No one is going to bet over. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, Northwestern might be favored in one game this season. Like they might be. Uh, they'll be favored against Howard. Mm-hmm. That's it. Maybe that's a win. Come on, Howard. Oh, I'm saying that. That's the. I'm saying they'll be favored in that game. At most, they won that game. No, they've won that game. Yeah, that's a win. They're gonna win that game. Wasn't Howard like a 60 point underdog and they beat UNLV though? Uh, I think that was Appalachian State. No, or no, you're talking about UNLV. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I Um, I think UNLV was laying like 60 and they lost. I think it's the biggest upset in college football. But they play UTEP. If they're seven point dogs in some places to Rutgers. They might be a pick against UTEP. Mm-hmm. Rutgers, I mean, that's how bad Rutgers is. And there's automatic losses. Like, when they play oh, sure. like yes. a good the only The team. only wins they have on their schedule are Howard and UTEP. And I, I want it. to remind you, when you say Howard's, they've won that game, they lost by a touchdown to Southern Illinois last year. The Salukis. I think Southern Illinois would, 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 would boat race the Howard Bison. I'm confident okay. of that. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, boy. It's it's gonna and Northwestern's a tough place to win to begin with. They have a, you know their, their facilities. Have you ever been there? No. They they have the most beautiful practice facilities, like right on the lake fill there, like overlooking Lake Michigan. They've got a practice field now. It's um 
It's, uh, but, but it doesn't matter. It's the same as Stanford. It's like, I don't know how we did it, Stanford and Northwestern. We must have cheated well for a while. Well, we talked about this on SOV. Like, if you, if you are a, a brainy school in a football conference, you're automatically at, like, this massive, massive mm-hmm. disadvantage because Vanderbilt's the greatest exception in my mind because they're in the best football conference. Mm-hmm. At, like, and they're the... I don't want to say they're the only school that prioritizes academics in that conference. It's not, but it's not like a formidable academic school either. It's a top 50 school, not no, a I top think 20 school. Duke's a better example. Duke's a better example. Because they're in a good fo- – or they used to be a really good football conference. And but the difference they, is – And they prioritize academics, but they are a very, very good athletic program that every once in a while – you get a good quarterback in there. You got a good coach in David Cutcliffe back in the day, and you win some football games. And yeah. if, if you have a larger student body, if you only have eight thousand students versus fifty thousand students, you can hide, you know, your football players better when you're. You, I don't know how many people are in Rice, for instance. Rice is a very good academic yeah. institution, you know, and they. But they're not. They're fortunately for them, not in a football like mm-hmm. a, a football heavy conference. Um, but you like, would think like the, an elite person, an elite football player that's like a four star, not a five star, isn't going to make a living as a pro. Would say, "Oh, why wouldn't I go to the very best academic school?" You know, it's like, I mean, it's what a bargain. By the way, why? Vanderbilt thirteenth right now in uh, I, academic rankings. I stand correct. Where's Northwestern? Uh, Northwestern 10. is ten. There you go, tied with Duke at ten. Yeah, see. So, so but they're another throw a blanket over them. The only. Uh, power football program ahead of them is Stanford. That makes sense. Stanford's uh, what, five? Which is currently sitting at number three. Academic? Tied for three with Yale. You hear that, McKenzie? Harvard and Princeton, one, two? Uh, Princeton, one. MIT, two. Harvard, three. University of Chicago, five? Uh, University of Chicago is right after uh, Stanford and Yale. Yeah. And then Johns Hopkins, Penn, who let uh, Johns Hopkins in? Cal Institute of Technology. Caltech, absolutely. Worried. What was that quote then, from, uh, from? Then Duke from, and Northwestern. From Step Brothers? Smoked weed with a Johnny Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> then Dartmouth, Brown, and Vanderbilt. That's uh, that's how. And then Rice is right there behind. You, you know what I don't understand about this is that the people, the 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 the, the guys that go to University of Chicago, um, that that like women. Are really stupid to go there though, because that is not a good place to go if to have the best time of your life. I've been on well, the University of Chicago campus. I'm gonna, I'm confident enough of this. Mackenzie, I think, who disagrees with me all the time, I think is going to agree. Right, do you agree, Mackenzie? What the University of Chicago is not that fun? Yes. Yeah, it's like suicide. You people call it. All right. And but here now isn't that where they built the atomic bomb though? Now hear me out on the reason why I think it's tougher. It was a dark night, though, for Vanderbilt <laughs> than it is for some of these other some schools. Pretty girls at Vanderbilt, though. Um, some, some, some. Not it's not Georgia. I remember I lived in that. Na- I went to college in Nashville. What is uh, it? The school Emory has it's like the most beautiful yeah. campus down. There. You know what? It, I'll be honest. The, the the day that I moved, the, my first day working in Austin, Texas, I was driving to my job at ESPN Austin. I may, I think on campus I saw the prettiest girl I've ever seen in my entire life, like ever. And I, like I have a running list in my head. Mm-hmm. Sure, and Everyone does. she would like instantly number one all time. Like I, I can't believe this is a real person. And then you go to if you go to a Texas football game, and you spend any time outside the stadium before the game. And I was lucky enough to do a pregame, uh, pre and post game show for the University of Texas football. How old are you? For ten years, I was like. Uh, mid-20s. Good-looking, MMA fighter, military, former. 
Yeah. You, you pretty much have won the lottery. Well, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's near the top, if not the top. <laughs> but here's what I was saying about Vanderbilt. Like, Stanford, it's it, sure, academic standards are high. But guess what? They're also high at Cal. They're also high at UCLA. They're also high at USC. Like, yes. the Pac-12 is a, a great academic conference. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Duke, and Duke's the best academic school in the ACC. Virginia's not far behind it. Yep. North Carolina's not far behind yep. it. Wake, Wake Forest is not far behind it. After Vanderbilt, it's like, I think Florida's a pretty good academic school. Probably not. And then there's like a major drop-off. And then there's schools like... I don't even know if they take grades at some of the schools in the SEC. Like, I, they, I, it's like a, 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 a R. <laughs> R? That's a grade? Yeah, it's, you, you passed. Just, Congratulations. Just like take, in the big, where's your money? I think in the Big Ten. I mean, I don't have all these schools ranked, but it sure seems like you know Michigan's Michigan's a, a clear a number two in the Big Ten. Right? And Ohio State's honors programs is, is is right there with everybody else. But but the, my point is, there's plenty of Minnesotas and Iowas that are good institutions of learning. You know? Right. That this is not a place to go. That people are just going. I mean, they might have a great time at Wisconsin, but they're also learning to become, you know, you know, they're trying to be doctors. Yes. But back to the point, it, it, it makes it very difficult for anyone to win at Northwestern. It's an uphill battle, no doubt. I have another aspect of this Northwestern under that I don't think people are talking about when it comes to yes, okay, you can talk about the schedule, you can talk about the head coach being gone. Let's also talk about the fact that. There will be players that will leave this program. Yeah. And there will be players. And there's no time to bring new players in. Exactly. And what's going to happen is, what's the NCAA rule, right? You can play four weeks before you are ineligible to transfer. Yeah. Stuck for a year of eligibility. Therefore, four weeks, Rutgers, UTEP, Duke, Minnesota. After those four weeks, then it becomes an extra fade on. Northwestern, because any player worth their weight that can go play football elsewhere is going to stop playing after four weeks, reserve that year of eligibility, and enter the transfer portal. Especially if they're 0-4 at that point. Exactly. And week, When do they play Howard? Their fifth, their week <laughs> That's six. That's after. Week yeah. five is Penn State. Week six is Howard. You know, the, we're on the quarter system also, which means our midterms are fairly, you know, they they come up the first midterm like a month in. Uh huh. It, it, they're it's difficult. I mean, and it, let's face. And I know there's. Pe- I I think this is interesting. That how many media people, uh, Danny Cannell being one, Darren Rovell being another, are like, I know Pat Fitzgerald. Mm. This can't be true. Like, there's how been. How do you know? There's been a massive investigation. Like, I don't think the University of Northwestern. Is yeah. going to just fire this guy. Like, after they said two-week suspension, they talked to enough people, including the accuser and his family, that they said, oh, my God, we can't get away with suspending him for two weeks. We've yeah. got, th- do you think Northwestern wanted to fire Pat Fitzgerald? There's no way. Because Pat Fitzgerald is the most successful coach that's ever coached at Northwestern. Northwestern, in the history of time, has had four 10-win seasons. One of those seasons happened when Pat Fitzgerald played for Northwestern. <laughs> Three happened since he's been coaching. And he didn't just play. He was, like, the best player on our defense. Yes. Yeah, like, Arguably the best player on the team. He is the most important 
figure in Northwestern football history. Like, if you make a Mount Rushmore of Northwestern's football program— I think we used to be good, actually, back in the 30s. They weren't 10-win good. All right. So he would be the George Washington head on the Northwestern Mount Rushmore. You don't want to fire a guy like that. It's akin to Penn State having to fire Joe Paterno. They didn't want it to turn into that, where they were like, we're protecting Joe Paterno at all costs. And then at the end of it, but you know the, Penn State looked real bad. You know the truth of it is, I'm 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 gonna say it. Um, Joe Paterno's just complete scumbag to not. I'm sorry about everyone to to, to have allowed this to happen under his I program agree. and the like. But all right. But how do we know that Pat Fitzgerald didn't know this was going on? Well, here's where I'm going. I'm gonna say I'm assuming he did know it was going on. I'm sure there's. I'm gonna say there's 20 other programs that have hazing more severe than Northwestern. But you know what? They don't have a bunch of people like talking about it. Like because if, if true. people go of to Georgia, people go to Georgia. Or LSU are going to shut their traps. The last thing they're going to do is like, oh, let me go out and like wreck the program and have yeah. and, and have my house firebombed by all the local alums. Northwestern, nobody cares. The Dale, the Dale, think about this. The Daily newspaper rats out, you know, poor Pat Fitzgerald. Do you think that would ever happen at the University of Florida no. or Florida State? No. No. The editor would say, like, we got a problem here. You know, I got this guy wanting to write this article. It's like, you want to work at this paper? You, you better you better find a better story, buddy. And also, just the climate has changed. You know, there are things that were, I'm not saying allowed or people were okay with. Just, we know that. We know that the climate has changed. Things that went on 10, 20 years ago don't fly these days. Um, it, there was, do you remember the show, AJ, Blue Mountain State? Yeah, it was a, a funny show, but it was about partying. It was about sex and drugs and partying and college football. And the first episode, I think the episode's even titled. It's called Hazing. Look it up, right? And they haze the freshmen. And what they do is there's one act that it does involve nudity. That if that went on at an institution mm. today, everyone would get fired. And this was a television show everyone. that aired, you know, <laughs> years ago. The climate has completely changed. I'm not saying things were acceptable or unacceptable. It's just acknowledged that the climate has changed. I think the a better example than the, the Penn State example is what happened at Baylor. Because Baylor I don't I think both those are completely different scenarios. Because we're not talking about um there have been hazing incidents at other schools that have that has gone on where it's, you know, student on you know, but, but when you talk about when you talk about, I'm not the, talking about like the actual crimes that were committed. Yeah, like it's, that's not what I mean. I mean Baylor was a was a foot was a school that never had football success. Mm-hmm. Baylor football started in 1899. Art Bryles came to Baylor in 2008. Between 1899 and 2008, Baylor won 10 football games one time. <laughs> one time. That was in 1980. They were they were the most like in the old Southwest Conference. Baylor was worse than Rice. Like Rice football was better than Baylor football. That's what Baylor football was. Mm. Art Bryles gave them like they gave the they gave them a football program. Like it was like oh, look at us. They must have been cheating. Look at us. We're actually a real viable football program. They had four. 10 win seasons in the eight years that Art Browse was there after having won mm. in the previous 110. You think they wanted to fire Art Browse? That's why they every Baylor person defended. Like there were people, this was when I was working on the radio in Houston, and I was saying, 
Why haven't they fi- every day? I'd start with why haven't they fired Art Briles yet? All the all the information is out here. We know what Art Briles oversaw. We know that he he knew this was going on. Bobby Knight, another great example. Bob Huggins. You don't want to fire those people because your program was shit before them, and you don't want to go back to shit. Northwestern realizes they're go- they're going to be shit. No, no doubt. That's why we're going to play them under three and a half. By the way, I have a question for you. Okay. Why does the media get a free pass? Like with the Huggins things, when someone's doing the um, the interview, you know, and they're t- talking about totally inappropriate things and the, the, the uncomfortable after or even prodding them on towards that direction by the the, the, the local, the, whoever was in the local media. How is that person not blackballed the rest of his life? That person should never have a job in this Because field. small town media is different. And it's not just small town media. It's like even there's there's pandering to the major franchises. Like I saw something in Seattle. Uh, they have a, a very popular radio host in Seattle was doing on field interviews at the All Star Game, and he was talking to Felix Bautista, huh? and was like, uh, "Are you comfortable with the nickname King Felix?" And he was like, "No, no, no it's not my thing." Uh, and he was like, do you think that should be reserved only for Felix Hernandez? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I think so. I think he, he deserves that. And he's like, well, you need to tell the Baltimore Orioles social media to knock it off. Enough of this King mm-hmm. Felix. And it's like, quit pandering to – like. Yeah. but that's what – that's how guys – a lot of guys build a brand is pandering to the local fan base. And – I took a lot of heat in Austin and Houston for not pandering to the local fan base. And it's sometimes it's an uncomfortable place to be mm-hmm. because you're in a town. I was in a town where the University of Texas was the only show in town. Like there are no pro sports. Now there's an MLS team. There wasn't when I was there. There were no like it's the Longhorns. And if you've got something bad to say about the Longhorns, there's an entire city that's like against you. When I was saying bad things about the Texans, it wasn't comfortable because people want their local team to succeed. Of course, unless but most like such perennial losers like the Cincinnati Bengals for years right. that it just beca- everyone does it. But mo- but most fan bases want their media guys to shill for their team. And, and what's and they want to make they want to make you feel good for being a fan. But what's interesting is like in Chicago, Northwestern's not you know a, a, a favorite of Chicago no. because we're hoity-toity you know a private school and so we're not going to get those favorites like the, the University of Illinois gets more love than than no doubt Northwestern does no yeah doubt. yeah I, it's a it's a, certainly a tough spot to be in and especially what it's two months from the season starting you're not going to find a coach that's going to be able to right the ship in time like you know what? And I'm such a fair weather fan. I don't care. I went to Northwestern. Great. Mm-hmm. I hope they. I hope they win less than three games. I mean, it, they, it ha- they have to. It doesn't matter. You know, I don't care. It's like, it's a football game. Like, like a, there's like one fellow in town that used to get so upset when the Chicago Blackhawks would lose and be like depressed all weekend long. And it's like you got the emotional intelligence of a 12 year old. Grow up. Yeah. It's a stupid hockey game. Sorry, people. All right. Um, I think that's it on college football. I like what you're How saying. How many plays you got up right now? Uh, I've got probably ten season win totals up. Ooh! And you gonna send those my way? I can, yeah. I think I have sent can them your you, way. I think you may you, have forgotten. I'm just gonna get access. But uh, right now. But yes, uh, season win totals are up, and a couple, a uh, couple early plays, a couple early plays Beautiful. on the board. So, but yeah, th- this is. I, I'm, I'm with what your information is on the rules change and breaking it down, like. 
I can't play an over right now. And how many of these unders that you play do you think you'll play black, play back on? And what's like how much would it have have to move? Over three points would it have to move? Um, I won't give any to my clients to play right. back because I just it's a bad look. Um, personally, it all depends on on, on how rogue a number am I going to get. So in other words, if it moves it, a touchdown. No, if I play under 62, let's say it closes 56, painted 56, probably won't play back at all. Let's say it closes painted 56, and somebody puts up a 54 and a half. Well, of course. Of course. Why not? You know, I'm getting a rogue number. Sure. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. There's some college football talk for you. Let's switch the focus over to Scott Seidenberg, our Major League Baseball expert. And let's talk about – let's before we get into – Midseason awards and season win totals adjusted for you know, I want to talk about the rules changes. You you sent over a document today that is strong information and actionable information on how the rule changes are affecting mm-hmm. play this season. Yep. So the Major League Baseball released to the media their pace of play results from the first half. There's been one thousand three hundred and fifty seven games. of the season has already been played. And if you look at the results of the new rule changes, as far as the time of the games, from last season, three hours and four minutes, this season on average, two hours and 38 minutes. That's that's amazing. Amazing. Nine inning games this year have been 26 minutes shorter than last season, 32 minutes shorter than, than 2021's peak. They all should be fired for not having changed this 10 years ago. I, I mean, How hard is, was this? It's so, Everyone likes it. It's so much more palatable now. And honestly, college, fo- I, college football, I guess, is trying to find a way to do it. But the NBA should be looking at ways to do it. College basketball should be looking at ways. Everybody that's not named the NFL Ooh, you know what? I'm, should I'm, be looking at ways to shorten their, their game I'm, I'm going to disagree with you because college basketball games end in two hours. So that, so that I don't think there's any problem with all the pageantry and the excitement with with, with the, during the timeouts. So like, I'm, I'm A-OK with it. Okay. Yeah, I guess generally I don't complain too much about that. I guess I would just watch too many. Now, what's interesting is you look at the batting averages this year, slight uptick. Now, remember, the, the shift is banned. Slight uptick from 243 last year to 248. On base percentage has had an uptick as well from 312 to 320. And this has resulted in runs per game being up from a season ago, from 8.6 runs per game in 2022 9.2 runs per game this year in the first half of the now, season. Now, this How, is fascinating because the big picture that I have is there's a very, very de minimis increase in batting average. It's tiny, all right? But the runs is up 0.6. It doesn't seem to jive with just that tiny batting average increase. Because one of the other rules, pitchers' disengagement from the rubber and— Pitch clock. Larger bases. Oh, okay. Which yes. has resulted— in stolen bases. Stolen base attempts per game are up from 1.4 to 1.8. And they it's the highest rate of stolen base attempts in Major League Baseball since 2012. The success rate of stolen base attempts this year is the highest success rate in Major League Baseball history. Wow. And it's not just stolen bases. It's 
literally stealing extra bases, going first to third on the single. You're four and a half inches closer to third from first. Um, you're tagging up, going from second to third. You're an inch and a half closer. How often do you see a guy thrown out and you look at the replay really close and you can't tell? It's so close. Yeah. You give him an extra inch and a half, he is safe by a mile. So what we're seeing here is the batting average is going up a little bit, but they're generating more runs because once that player's on first, they're stealing second. And once they're on second, the same hit that would normally result in a player going from first to third is now resulting in that player going from second to home and scoring a run. That's why you have an uptick in runs per game. So the obvious question I have then is, has has the totals have they been adjusted appropriately or are we still profitable betting on overs yeah i think they've adjusted properly because the the totals are pretty close to split overs and unders this season mac uh, well and by the way if, if they're split that means if you're, you're betting you're losing <laughs> mm-hmm. uh mac what are the actual what are what are the numbers broken down on on overs and unders you bet overs you're down 74 units that's betting every single game so it's a lot of games thousands of games but you bet unders you're only down 55 units slightly better either way you're down son of a bitch like how cockroaches remember you're you're, you're laying a dollar 10 yeah you're playing totals you're only laying 105 in 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 and if you're playing sides in baseball if you've got Good out. So the Vegas double playing totals. It's a lot of well, big, a lot of games. So this means there's no, there, you shouldn't be playing totals in MLB. No, you can play totals. You just have to like very selective. You should be more selective, but it's a more beatable market. And sure doesn't feel like it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, these numbers say it's and not it's very pretty beatable. split. There's twelve, maybe thirteen teams that are. There's 50% or greater to the over this season. Yeah, there's so guys it's, listening it's, right now it's saying split. it's the easiest. Are any 55%, 54%? Oh, yeah. The Dodgers are 60.7% to the over. There, there's okay. guys listening right now. They're like, these guys are making it way too complicated. All the, the Reds and the Braves and the Dodgers rake, and they can't, and, and their pitching's, you know, nothing for Cincinnati and the Dodgers. Yeah. Pitching's down. You just play those teams over. It's that easy. What the, what the hell's wrong with these guys? And Mac, Dodgers, 51, 33, and 5 to the over this year. These numbers you've got up, Mac, it looks like. Every month, it's getting worse and worse if you're betting the overs, right? Yeah, June was 48 percent only to the over, 52 percent to the under. And you were how many units were you down just betting in in June? If you bet every over in June, so 74 units for the season betting overs, down 70 units just in the month of June. <laughs> that's that is a um, that's a kick in the balls if you were if you decided June was the, it's hot, ball's going to be flying. No, I, I don't. Not in think San so, Diego, right. where the June gloom yeah, continues, just bet, just, still just, great time at the ballpark. Just though. bet the overs in Tampa, in Texas, in Cincinnati, in Atlanta. Well, Atlanta, any game Atlanta plays. But yeah, these. <laughs> Do you know anybody who's games. complaining about the rules changes at this point? No, but what's happening right now? It's very interesting. Um, the Major League Baseball Players Association is actually petitioning that they tweak the rules when they get to the postseason. What they are saying is they're not asking to completely do away with the pitch clock and completely do away with the disengagements, but maybe tweak it a little bit to allow possibly more time on the pitch clock because it gets into higher leverage moments in the postseason. You want your pitchers to be able to take a breath. Uh, Maybe my solution would be to increase the amount of disengagements. Allow a pitcher to step off. Don't don't change the pitch clock or or do what the NFL does with the thirty with with the play clock that mm-hmm. that all right you're you're watching the play clock and I see it go to zero and then I'm going to avert my eyes back yeah. to the play and give but, them a one second grace. But point. I have data on this this year. If you look at the time, the average time remaining on a pitcher's delivery, 
about seven seconds. Pitchers are beginning their deliveries with 6.6 to 7.9 seconds left on the timer. That's showing that across all timer settings, whether it's an inning break or pitching change, whether there's just a, nobody on base or runners on base, the pitchers have ample time to well, throw their pitches. Most and, pitchers have ample time. Yes. The big fat pitchers that are out of shape, I disagree. And pitch violations have gone down. As the season has progressed. So pitchers are now getting used to this. Mm. And I think in the playoffs, I don't think Major League Baseball wants to increase the clock from 15 seconds to then 20 seconds. I think what they should do is instead of two disengagements and then the third one's the buck, give them a third disengagement. I like that. That's a good and then the four, And then the fourth one can be a buck. Just yeah. say, hey. You're allowed to step off one extra time. Yeah. That's or good. or just but say this. if you start doing that, if, if you start bending a little, eh, you're, you're already, just gonna give it all back. You're, you're already changing the ghost rule, the ghost man rule on second anyway. So That's it's true. okay. That's what I would say for Major League Baseball. Uh but it's been a fun first half. Uh, it, obviously the biggest story is Otani. Uh what's his future going to be? The latest odds for the MVP award, really interesting. You can bet Otani or the field now. Otani's minus 800. The field is plus 500. That yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still get traded, right? He could, but even if he does, like, it, I mean. I don't think he's going to win if he gets traded to the National League. Uh, who's Who would win? Um, the, like Corey Seager is 16 to 1 right I now. I talked about this with Scott on SOV. The two guys who were even remotely in the neighborhood of him a month ago were Aaron Judge and Jordan Alvarez. Mm. Then they both went on the IL. All right. And, and like, they were the only ones even worth discussing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they've been on the IL for the last month. And we are 55%. We're not 45 Right. We're getting we're, Yeah, this isn't like just a halfway mark. That we're what over was the number halfway. I gave you already? We've played 55.8% of the right. season. Now, if he goes to, let's say he doesn't get traded until the deadline, that's another two weeks of baseball. We're closing in on close to 60% of the season. I I think that he can get traded to the National League and still win the American League MVP. But why lay minus 900 or whatever it is when you can just play minus 110 and have an equally profitable bet? And that would be my best bet right now. The Kansas City Royals, DraftKings, under 53.5 wins. I can't name a player on the Royals, but this I can tell you. (laughs) I I follow baseball on a day-in, day-in, day-out basis, and this team actually was not terrible in April. Since then, they've been worse, much worse than the Oakland A's. They can't hit at all, and they have no pitching. This team is not winning 50 games. Under 53 and a half, Kansas City. Uh, they won two games against the Dodgers. Nice job. Um, that's the highlight of their year. They're going to win 46 games. I can name a player on Kansas City uh, because I have one on my fantasy team, which is probably why my fantasy team is in ninth place out of 12. Uh, that because I carry someone from Kansas City on that roster. So that's uh, it does make sense. All right, you want your projections right now? Yeah, give me the uh, latest. On the latest? Well, I can okay. tell you, Fangraphs will have, like, the stupidest projections on Oakland and Kansas City. Kansas they they, they should all be games. I don't care what RJ says. They're the sharpest guys ever. They are the dumbest guys ever. Fangraphs, 56 for the Stup- Royals. Stupidest number. Fangraphs.com. Can I bet under 56? I'll lay minus 3. <laughs> I don't think they're taking Five, bets. 538 has 53 wins. At least we're getting in the right neighborhood. How many games do you think they win? They're going to win 48. Team rankings? Has fifty three point two. Yeah, okay. they're, they're going to win. They're going to win forty eight to fifty games. They're going to comfortably go under. Well, I would say that as well because they traded away the Chapman, and I don't think they're done. I think if there's anything worth having on that team, somebody's going to offer something for it. I think that's the thing that these and, and I want to get into some of your win totals here in a minute, Scott. I think the thing that goes 
maybe under the radar is the teams that are good right now are only going to get better. Mm-hmm. The, te- the teams, the that, are teams that are bad are only going to get worse. Exactly. And people don't usually think of that. They think, okay, this is the percentage of games they won. It's likely they'll win the same in the second half. No, if you're a bad team, you're likely to be, be- worse in the second half than you were in the in the first because you're going to give like the good teams are going to come and ravage your your handful of good players. And your your goal is not even to win, but just to assess talent in September yeah. when you're a bad team. And and who's like when you get it to the forty man roster and you you can play, you you get deeper. Like, are the teams that are in the playoff chase suddenly going to play guys that were in the minor leagues two weeks ago? No, but the, no. the, the bottom feeder teams are going to play their AAA guys. They got to see gonna what they say, got. See what they got for next year. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I agree. Like right now, if you if you think a team is bad, they're probably going to get worse. That's why betting under on Kansas City, betting under on Oakland. Still, I don't know what the numbers at at Oakland now. I know you've got it at all kinds of different numbers, but. I certainly wouldn't bet an over on on Oakland right now. It's right around fifty, but and, and I still think it's a good bet. But Oakland is better than Kansas City. I agree and with so, that, and so I'd much rather play Kansas City. I think Oakland's going to win more games than Kansas City, and Oakland's fifty and a half you can get, and Kansas City's fifty three and a half. So you know you're probably going to win Oakland under. But, well, but why get why game? We don't need to gamble. We can just win. Just play Kansas City under. And the argument is for Oakland that like you could argue the most the most valuable player in Oakland's system right now is a kid named Mason Miller who they tried to bring in early in the season he got hurt they had a Tommy John scare with him he's coming back to play in the second half he's not a player who will be traded by Oakland because mm-hmm. he's he's young he's under contract for and the next Oakland 6 years can hit Oakland loses yeah. games 9 to 6 they don't lose games 8 to 2 like every Kansas City game Kansas City's got nobody that like that's coming in for them that's going to suddenly change things. To be fair, Oakland's like, run differential was absolutely horrendous April, May, but they've massively improved, you know, since June. I think, like, the Cincinnati Reds are a good example of, and I don't know what your portfolio is on the Reds. I'm guessing a couple months ago you thought the Reds were going to be dreadful. You want to bet them under, right? Yes. But, and then I and then I turned. Fortunately, I I I got the buy sign on the Reds. I even have the Reds to win the division. Yeah, so and, and they bring a guy like price. Ellie De La Cruz, mm-hmm. and it's Changes a the whole thing. it's an injection of energy. And like suddenly, can't pitch at all. No, pitch. no, but it but it doesn't matter because it's, suddenly we can win some games here. We're mm-hmm. like not only are we a, like division if, sucks too. If it's fun watching them, chances are good they're having fun playing ball. Yep. And those are the kind of like you think it's fun to play in Kansas City right now. Nope. Oh my the God! It's got to be that Viking hat after their home runs. <laughs> and let me throw another one at you guys. And I, I, well, let me give you a bet since we're on the Cincinnati Reds. Okay. And it's Ellie De La Cruz as the rookie of the year. Right now, you can get him at plus two fifty. It's all it, the whole conversation of the first half has been Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks has been the runaway, overwhelming favorite to be the National League Rookie of the Year. He's actually close in the MVP votes as well. Ellie De La Cruz's number has been ticking down, 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 and after he stole second, third, and home in the game before the All Star break, his number dipped to now the lowest that it's been, which is plus 250, which I still think has value. And Corbin, Corbin Carroll's hurt now, right? No, he's fine. He's playing, but he's also that, – that that's a good point. That's the point I'm trying to make. He's like one swing away from hurting his shoulder again. He hurt it twice already. Yes, and he got a scan. The scan came back clean. He said he's fine. He played. He played in the All-Star game. He's fine. But he's one swing away from tweaking that shoulder again. And if it happens another time – the Diamondbacks might just say, hey, listen, we don't want to risk it with you. You're our future. 
we might sit you for a couple of weeks. And the Dodgers are playing well, so Arizona could fall out of the race, whereas the Reds look to be they're going to be in this race the entire year. And the public is going to sway this. The media is going to get overtaken with the hype that is Ellie De La Cruz. He stole he is, for the cycle. He's yeah. the most exciting player in baseball. This narrative is going to drive him to garner more votes than a guy like Corbin Carroll. Which is more common, hitting for the cycle or stealing second, third, and home in one game? Hitting for the cycle. cycle is way more common. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Stealing home is that common? No, it's uncommon. I'm saying no, hitting I'm is saying more hitting common. No, I'm saying hitting for the cycle is more common. Like hitting for like hitting for the cycle is more common than stealing home plate. No, I didn't say stealing home plate. I said steal second, third, and home. Okay. All, stealing I mean, for the cycle. I mean, yeah. Stealing gonna, for the cycle is way less common. That's what because I mean. no one steals home. No one home. steals home. So the fact that no one steals third, pretty Steal, much. So. Stealing third is probably more rare than hitting a triple. So so and so so stealing second, third home. I like I'd like he might be the only guy who does it all year long, right? I would bet minus a thousand that he's the only guy. He who was, does he it. was the first Reds player to do that since 1919. All right, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to ask you guys about the St. Louis Cardinals, who I know you guys, there was a, like they had a blip where they looked like they were going to be good. And you guys I was were like, wrong. Let's let, let, love them. Could, I couldn't be. I couldn't be more wrong. So they we all pitch. agree. They're I'm, dog I'm, shit. I'm right. Baffled. I'm, yep. I probably the biggest question, like the thing that I can't answer is how Oliver Marmol is still employed. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why they haven't fired the manager yet. So here's the question. What's their win total at currently? Seventy five and a half. Okay, are you playing over or under? I'd lean under. They're done, so. Well, are the Cardinals going to sell? Are the Cardinals going to get rid of Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan mm-hmm. Arenado? I don't know about Goldschmidt. I think Arenado's gone. I, I mean, if they if they start to break up that roster, which it's it is baffling that the Cardinals are as bad as they are with the roster that they have. Well, which Adam is why, Wayne, Wainwright gave up nine runs every oh every well, he start. Well, you know what? Adam, yeah, they Adam, put him on. They put him on the. I-L. Guess what? Yeah. Alec Manoa did the same thing for Toronto, and they're not they're not the worst team in baseball. Like they they're finding a way to not That's be miserable. Point. That's a good point. Uh, and I'm guessing going into the season, the Blue Jays had higher hopes for Alec Manoa than the Cardinals did for forty something year old Adam Wainwright. So if they start breaking that roster up, I think it. I I do think it goes downhill in a hurry. You like mm-hmm. under seventy five? I think I do. Like I, I think this I is agree. just going to be a dreadful season for them. And like, everybody else in that division has hopes to. Like, well, the Pirates shouldn't have hopes, but the Pirates are feeling good about yeah. themselves because they're exceeding expectations. So if they if they win seventy five, they're happy. But also, the reason why all those teams have hopes is because the big bully in the division blew out their knee. So, like, the team that, that beats you every single year, you know they're not going to beat you. So you say, okay, there's five of us here. The, the one guy that always punks us out is he fell down. Like, his, 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 his knee's yeah. outside his body. He's dead. The other four teams are like, we've got a chance. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, and the, the Brewers and the Cubs, who generally are competitive in that division, they probably feel great right now. But the Pirates and Reds, who are never competitive, they both feel great. They're also. feeling better now than they've felt in probably five mm-hmm. or ten years. Yeah. So you've got four buy-on teams in terms of attitude against a buy-against team. I like that. And this is, I mean, it, it, to me, it, this would be this akin to the Yankees being ten games under five hundred. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the AL East would be excited. It, it's a good, it's a good analogy because this could actually happen to the Yankees if they if they have like a, a fifteen and eighteen run. Like, this could be the Yankees in August. I'd say a month ago, 
it's kind of what was happening in the AL West, where it looked like the Astros might be they might be losers this year. And and the A's obviously couldn't get excited about anything, but every other team had reason to be, and the Angels even at that time had reason to feel like, man, maybe we can do something. The Angels this are another team that might be considered themselves to be total and other losers and might not win a game in August. Well, you know, and that's, be- that's what I wanted to get to next, Scott, because Shohei Otani is the biggest story in baseball mm-hmm. right now. Under 80 and a half for the Angels, I think is a great bet. I think so too, because what are the, what odds would you say? What's what's the percentage chance that Shohei Otani finishes the season wearing an Angels uniform? I think it's 50-50 right now. And if you would ask me a month ago, I would have said it was 70-30 that he finishes the season. And would you an agree? Angel. I think they have to trade him. I think so, too. They have to. And would you agree that even if they keep him, the number that they're at now is about, like, that, that feels like about the right number? Yeah. I don't Given know. that Trout's out for the yep. foreseeable future? Mm-hmm. like. It doesn't feel like they're going to far exceed that number. So if that's the number, and you're saying it's 50-50 that Otani finish, or finishes the you, season in Angel, under. you have to bet the mm-hmm. under. Yep. I mean, it's it, it would be criminal to think that they – because what the Angels aren't doing is buying more players. What the Angels are so, also aren't doing is getting fair value back for Shohei Otani because it's impossible to get mm-hmm. fair value back. It, one of these two things is going to happen to the Angels – they are going to be significantly worse hitting or significantly worse pitching. Because let's say they got a a really good major league player back and then some prospects. That really good major league hitter, A, probably not going to be a better hitter than Otani and probably well, won't be a better not, pitcher it's than Otani. Yeah. But it, it's certainly not going to be both. And there's no team that can give up a play like a player of Otani's caliber as a hitter and a player of Otani's caliber as a pitcher in a trade. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Like that team doesn't exist that has that. So it'd be like the, it'd be like the Yankees giving up Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge. <laughs> it's like an it would be have to be the most absurd trade yeah. ever. It can't happen. The Angels have to be worse in the second half, no matter what happens, because either they're going a significant amount of time without Mike Trout. And they're going to be playing meaningless baseball, which I think means Otani's going to be less engaged, Correct. less interested. Mm-hmm. And if you believe the and quotes maybe, out of him, and, and maybe get shut down on the mound, he could. Because if why 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 kill the arm um, in meaningless games at the end of the year? Well, that to me, if they do that, that means they think they've got a chance to re-sign him. Hmm. But otherwise, you throw I, him out there every. I seven, always think back, six, seven games. I always think back to when the Milwaukee Brewers traded for CC Sabathia. And they knew they couldn't afford CC Sabathia at the end of the season. Yeah, he but was they a, were also fighting for a playoff spot. Sure, and he, they made the playoffs because right. of CC Sabathia. But if you like, if you know for a fact mm-hmm. that he's not going to be on your team next year, what's the harm in throwing him out? Yeah. I, I'd put him on every fourth day. Yeah, uh, sure. Right. I mean, so if they shut him down, that means they think they've got a chance to resign him. Mm-hmm. I don't think they do. I think they their hope every loss diminishes their hope some. You have to trade him, and I think I, I think it's fifty fifty right now. They don't want to admit it, but they have to. Fez, you agree with that? If if we say the Angels' current number is about right, if it's fifty fifty that they're trading Otani, you have to bet under because if it's 50, if if the number's right, assuming they keep Otani, and I think it's probably a fair number if they keep Otani because I think they're going to lose more games without Trout. 
his his performance. I, I actually disagree. I think if they keep him, it's a bad number. They're, it's at eighty and a half. They're a five hundred team. They're they've been so year to date. They're what one game above five hundred? Even five hundred? They're right around five hundred. And now they don't have Trout. They're going to get. The, 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 he's so critical to the lineup. Look what happened to the Yankees when Judge went out. And they can't hit at all. That's what's going to happen to the Angels. Every time they lose a game between now and the trade deadline, the assumption grows even further that they have to trade Otani, right? Yeah. And you got an apathetic fan base. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Go out to the I, A. It's, you know, whatever. You know, um, it's not a. They're not going to have any home field advantage. It's. It's a lot of fun to be had in Southern California in the summertime. You know, there's no rogue numbers out there where I can get like 81, 80, a, 80 and a half is the rogue number. The, I've heard a 79 and a half was Caesars, 80 and a half was DraftKings. You want to play under 80 and a half? Another bet, like, like I'd be, I'd be unbelievably amazed if, if the Angels, by some miracle, had a winning record. I mean, how I is that going to happen? Uh, well, there's my bet for the show. I'm going to bet under on the Angels as we've we've kind of you know put the the casserole together here. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to make the sausage because that's what I Fez and RJ do. Fully endorse your casserole. I'm going to go under 80 and a half on the Angels. Just I. Just, I don't think there's a way that they're better in the second half than they were in the first half. Mm. Like it's impossible. And we've seen this movie before. This is what always happens. to The Angels. They always stink down the road. You have any other uh, season win totals or, or midseason award bets that you like? Yeah, I got. Uh, I, I think Blake Snell to win the National League Cy Young is is a solid bet. It's at plus nine fifty right now. Is the fourth favorite behind Zach Gallen, Spencer Strider, and Clayton Kershaw. No pitcher over the last month and a half has been better in Major League Baseball than Blake Snell. Since May 25th, Blake Snell has made nine starts. He has allowed just four earned runs. He's That's a 0.68 ERA. What's his year-to-date ERA? His year-to-date ERA is under three, a little under three, two, point, uh, two and change okay. for Blake Snell right now. Uh, if you look at his, in this span that he is pitching right now, which is, again, he's only getting better. Four runs in 53 innings, 84 strikeouts in those 53 innings. He has allowed, that's over his last nine starts, he has only allowed three, or he's allowed three or fewer hits seven of those nine games. The problem is he plays No one's for, hitting this guy. He plays for one of the most underperforming teams. I in, agree. In, in baseball, and I'm voting for Spencer Strider if it's at all close. So, that, sorry. That's fair. It's fair. The team, the, and, and I think. Why not Justin Steele? That's the other his, guy. I was his numbers say. are super good. And if you look at, if you look at the ERA leaders across Major League Baseball, Justin Steele right now is fourth with a 2.56 ERA. He's also nine and two. Not that wins matter, but a nine and two. You know what? And wins a, do matter a little. Like, yeah. It, this is still a bunch of old baseball guys voting on this. Yeah. And if, if, if things if are close. Strider strikes out close to 300, or if by some miracle he gets to 300, he's, he's going to win. People are going to say he struck out 300 people. That, and that's the knock against Justin Steele, he is doesn't that he doesn't get the strikeouts. Yeah. He has 81 strikeouts and 91 in the third innings. That's just not enough. Strider, meanwhile, is he's got 166 strikeouts. That's by far the most. There's, there's, yeah. there's I guess, and I guess no way that Clayton Kershaw can win because he's gonna he always gets hurt yes. and he sucks in the playoffs. But so they're Blake, gonna they're gonna start pitching Snell's, five innings. Blake Snell's right? numbers are incredible. Blake's if you look at Snell's Str- got the second most strikeouts in the National League. If you look at K's per nine, okay, Strider's at fourteen point three, the best in Major League Baseball. Blake Snell's second, twelve point one strikeouts per nine innings. Yeah, the Padres still suck, and and Zach Gallon can't pitch on the road. So the thing he's that fa- he's favorite, he's not going to win. I've been watch, I've been watching this guy. He doesn't. He's terrible on the road. The thing that hurts Blake Snell is his six and seven record. 
is because the Padres aren't good. But he's now he is in the midst of this run right now. And if he keeps going on this run, uh, sky's the limit for this guy. 950 is going to go away. Every start that he makes that he continues this streak, 950 is going to become 750. 750 is going to become 500. 500 is going to become 350. Season's 56% over with. He doesn't have much time. He's got a 285 ERA. Strider's got a 344 ERA. Yeah, but, but San Diego's a, a depressed ballpark, and me, Atlanta's like a launching pad. Let me ask about a couple more guys in that same race that, like, maybe long shots. Uh, after Strider and Snell, the next guy in strikeouts is Mitch Keller. Is there any way? Not happening. Zero. Okay. Light your money on fire. The, the, other guy, <laughs> the other guy's Logan Webb, who – is strong in all those categories. He's on a team that, you know, it's not like they would, uh, like the Giants are a team that will get some love. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he a contender? Or do you think his second half fades? I, I just, I don't think his numbers are strong enough. Okay. Like, yeah, he's, he's having a good strikeout numbers, but his whip is like, I don't know, it's it's like middle of the road. He's not, he, he's not a. He's got a 111 whip. Yeah, it's like it's, 20 it's in better, baseball. It's better than Blake Snell's. That's true. It's it's point oh two off of Spencer mm-hmm. Strider. I like I, if I'm looking at this market. Too many games this year though for Logan Webb where he's allowed five runs, four runs, four runs. You can't be a Cy Young winner and have like half of the games that you pitch you allow four runs in. What I will say is I, directionally, I like you looking at Blake Snell because it feels like if you're betting one of the top three guys, they're so much shorter than everybody else. That look at that twelve FanDuel Sportsbook twelve to one. There is. I actually think Strider's going to win. He's do you? three to one, and I think he's. I mean, I bet him five to one, but but I I I I can't see a logical scenario that he doesn't win. Frankly, it has to be like Blake. He Snow is on has the to, best team. Blake Snow has to pitch out of his freaking mind, which he um, has been. Yeah, he's got to keep pitching like he hasn't, and, and he won't. He just won't. It's 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 unsustainable. But how much does like again? We're we're talking about sort of some old head stats here. But how much does having a, I don't want to say a middle-of-the-road ERA, but a relatively middle-of-the-road ERA he strikes compared out 14 to... 14 guys every nine innings, so he's got like one bad, he's got one bad number and he's got one best number in the league by margin. Yeah, but I feel like, a, I mean, a lot of these voters will look at ERA as like kind of the, okay, how many runs are They'll you look allowing? At win, if they're square enough to look at ERA, they're square enough to look at win-loss record. Well, yeah. Zach Allen's eleven and three right now, yeah, and he's got a point. and he's got a lower whip, one point zero five. In the American League, is I mean, it feels like I'm shocked at the movement of these odds. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated by the Framber Valdez skyrocket to become the favorite to win this award. Why? Why are you so shocked by it? Because Shane McClanahan's done nothing to like except lose, go on the IL to like lose this award. But you know what? Shane McClanahan, other than wins, mm-hmm. like Framber's struck out more guys. Uh, he has a slightly better ERA, slightly better whip. I think McClanahan, the advantage is he's playing on a team that's better, but mm-hmm. I, I think the Astros are a buy-on team. The guy that, that interests me... Nathan Ivaldi. Nathan Ivaldi. Like, and my concern would be that... Things go downhill for the Rangers in the second half mm. because the Rangers, I think, are a, a sort of a surprise team anyway. And if there's a team that I could see fading down the stretch, it's them of all the teams that are at the top of the piles. But Nathan, of all these numbers are so good. 
it, it would be, I mean, I, his numbers are just as good as McClanahan and Framber's right now. I, I guess it's a matter of what team you think is going to have success down the stretch. It's hard for me to argue with the A's, or with the A's, with the Astros and the Rays. I think those two teams are going to continue to win games. The Rangers, I'm not as sure on. Um, and, and, you know, they, some of the guys that I like, I, we talk about him on SOV all the time. I love George Kirby. He just doesn't strike out enough guys. Yeah. I, I think that's the issue. Like he, My favorite thing about him is he doesn't walk anybody. He walks like less than a batter per game. But if you don't have those big strikeout numbers, I think this is a hard award to win. So Fangraph's expected ERA leaders, not the regular ERA, the expected ERA leaders. Joe Ryan leads Major League Baseball at 288, followed by Zach Eflin of the Rays. Pablo Lopez is third. Then Spencer Strider, fourth best expected ERA. So even though he's got a 3-4-4 on the season, he's got an ex-ERA of 3.08. And then if you're looking at your uh, FIP leaders in Major League Baseball, fielding independent pitching, Kevin Gosman, one, Zach Gallen, two, Framber Valdez, third in fielding independent pitching. All right, one more guy. Spencer Strider, fifth. One more guy I want to ask you about as maybe kind of a, a long shot. And I see him on the board here at plus fifteen thousand. <laughs> Felix Bautista. Felix Bautista is ERA listen, currently. Just end the conversation. If Edwin Diaz didn't win it last year, Felix Bautista is not winning it this year. Okay. Edwin Diaz put up one of the greatest statistical seasons of any pitcher in baseball last year, and didn't get the acknowledgement. It's extremely hard for a closer to win this award. Okay, so Edwin and, but, Diaz last year. Mm-hmm. Had a 1.31 ERA. Felix Bautista is currently at 1.07. Okay, but if he a, finishes with a sub one ERA yeah. and leads the league in sure. saves, do you know how do you know how difficult this is for a closer though? He gives up one run and yeah. his ERA shoots up. Yeah. You know, heaven forbid he gives up a two run home run in the ninth inning. He, he's got to pitch like. 20 shutout innings in order to recover from that. Yeah. That's why it's like almost impossible for a closer to do this. Edwin Diaz was a guy, I remember Jason Weingarten would come on my show. We talked about Edwin Diaz was the play. See, his numbers were incredible, and the voters still didn't uh, do it. Where did he finish in the voting? I'll tell you right now. I love that Jason Weingarten. I just wish he could like relax a little bit more when he's on air. He's too wound up. Because I would argue right now, Felix Bautista is better than two to one. Uh, like be- better than two strikeouts per inning, which is ninth last year in Cy Young voting. Edwin uh, Diaz, you might be right yeah. then. It's because if Bautista right now, like if the season ended today, Bautista was better than Diaz last year statistically. So and, and Diaz was the only relief pitcher that even, even registered garnered anything. So, so Ryan Helsley, ba- you're, you're uh, probably right. So yeah. if Bautista does not give up a run the rest of the season. I believe he could win. That's a pretty tough thing to do. Did Eric Gagne won the Cy Young, right? Yes. And that was, was when he was on steroids and perfect. Yeah. He just piled up save numbers. And that, like, I don't know if his, uh, if his, if he had that sub year, one ERA. That, that year he had 55 saves, a 1.2 ERA. And of course, it all comes down to if there's no starter that has, you know. Yeah. You know, a, a a normal Cy Young year. That's the only chance. Cy Young, Young voting win. that year, he was Jason Schmidt of the Giants was the second in the voting. He had a two three four ERA. Uh, Mark Pryor was third. Russ Ortiz was fourth. But Eric Gagne, he yeah, he was uh, the fifty five saves. 
Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe there's not a way for him to uh, to do it. Remember the, the the nasty cockroach bookie is like I'm talking about Strider. He's Strider. He's like he's three to one. He's not even favored, you know. And there's That's and you're true. talking about all these other guys that you think you know could win. Yeah, it's 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 very difficult to win, you know, in these markets. All right, let's go to the NBA, uh, and this will, this will be our last topic for the show. But Mackenzie Rivers. Uh, our NBA expert here, obviously, summer league going strong in Vegas right now. Have you been up close to the uh, the big sphere when it's a basketball fez? Have you been over there and, I've and seen, seen it up close? I've seen the pictures on the internet. You know, it's amazing how the for those who haven't been following it, the MGM budgeted a, a billion dollars for the sphere and cost MSG MSG. Yep. Thank you. It cost them two point three billion to to build, and everyone's talking about how what what a complete and utter failure it's going to be, and now. It, that it's open, it's like the coolest thing anyone has ever seen. And it's going to sell out every show that's in there. It's going to sell out. It, it is. It really is incredible. Like I, I, I haven't been inside it yet. Well, just, no, it's, I don't, the inside's not even close to done yet. What it, what it's able to do on the outside, yeah. is insane. You know who it's going to really hurt, in my opinion. There's a cool sphere inside Resort World, the new like where uh-huh. it sits on the old Stardust, and it's like a 50 foot high sphere, and it was the coolest thing. It's really cool. It's the only cool thing in the. It's the coolest thing in the casino. And it's like one one hundredth the size of this outdoor sphere. That's going to really devalue the resorts world. Yeah. You know what? Sphere. There's some really good food spots in resorts world, mm-hmm. and it's all like three times overpriced. It's like worse well, yeah, than strip obviously. prices. Like it's it's outrageous. Outrageous. Like it, it, go to Nobu if you're going to spend that. I'm telling you. And like don't pay. Get calm. They're charging like forty five dollars a pound for brisket. At the barbecue place? I'm get like, the beef Wagyu tacos. It'll be the best thing you've ever eaten. I agree. No. I agree. You can't get a pound of them, though. That'd be, that would be too much. I, I'm thinking I about you. Like, you've got to eat, you've got to eat at least four of those things, right? When you go to Nobu, you can't just do two. When I've, right? the times that I've been to Nobu, I've done, I've like done a sampler. Like, I've eaten a, a little bit of a lot of things. Right. I've never eaten more than two of those tacos. Oh, okay. And the first time I went to Nobu in Houston, I didn't have any of those tacos. The second time when I went here and you said you've got to get these tacos, this is your favorite thing. That's when I ordered them. It is literally the best thing. I've it is ever a eaten. it is a delicious. Have bite. you been to Ocean Prime yet? Where is it? That's the new spot uh, by the Aria, but I think it's I think it might be in the Waldorf. That uh, not yet. Good. Yeah, huh? It's like a separate elevator just to get to the restaurant. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, it's very yeah. Have you been? Oh no, I'm not. A, I'm not a high roller. I don't. I don't like to create problems, but I had an instant an incident at Hell's Kitchen. Uh-oh. So I went in after my workout. You can leave now. <laughs> I ordered my t- – I, I got my $10 food comp. So I, I, I ordered a salad. You got kicked out by <laughs> I did. I ordered a salad, and the bartender said, I'm sorry. He's like, I, I, I'll get it for you. He's like, okay, okay, I'll get you your water. I'll get okay, to go. He's like, but you got a dress code. And I looked to the left and right, and, and literally three people down to the left, there's a person wearing a tank top. Five down the other way. Tank top-ish type top as well. Okay. What were you wearing? Tank top. What I'm wearing now. Okay. That's not a tank top. That's it's a like a cut-off sleeves. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing. They, they were showing the exactly. Okay, the, okay. It, it was like a cut-off. No sleeves. And right? what, was the, uh, what was the argument to kick you out then? There's a different dress code for men and women. Women are allowed to wear a sleeveless top. But so you're saying not. the women were wearing sleeveless shirts? Yes. And I said. There is a different dress code for men I, and women. Well, obviously, then I, Fez. Why is it obvious? I said, I'm Stephanie. I'm transgender. I'm being discriminated against. And I said, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll go over here, and I don't want to cause problems. Oh, well, that's good. Right. But, 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 so you, but I, could have, to I could have said that. 
Did you right? get your salad to go? I did. Yes, I got my beet salad to go. Beet, ugh. No, thank it's you. Delicious. No, thank you. And your first problem was getting a beet salad from Hell's Kitchen. Seriously, it, it's excellent. The quinoa, the quinoa, how do I quinoa. quinoa? The quinoa and the beet salad are the two salads. They're both excellent. All right, Mac. NBA Summer League is going on. The first thing I wanted to talk to you about is we we said at the beginning of the year, or at the beginning of this uh, summer league, we were talking about rookie of the year odds and. Victor Wimbanyama was a massive favorite at that point. I, what was he, minus 250 at the time? Yeah, minus 250 at open. And we said that's, that's an outrageous number. That's not a good number. Don't bet him. We were looking for alternatives. Uh, I didn't place any wagers. I think you and Scott both got down on some Chet Holmgren, which I think was probably the best choice because I think Chet Holmgren any other year would be the favorite to be rookie of the year. And this year, he he wasn't. But now, Victor Wimbanyama, what do he play, two games in the summer league? Yeah. What's the number you can get on Victor Wimbanyama now to be rookie of the year? You can get him at minus 130, so half as, half as expensive as he was when, he, when this market opened. And yep. why? That's I, a very good question. I, and we talked about it. It seemed like there was a lot of built-in hype that was unnecessary that didn't take into account how good this draft class was outside of him. That's part of it. The other part of it, Friday, much more viewed audience than the game on Sunday. It was his first game in America. It was his first game as an NBA uniform. He had a bad game. He shot two for 13. The market moved just off of that one game. And you thought he didn't have as necessarily a poor of a game as as – the masses seem to think. No, no. He seemed like a nervous guy. The shot didn't go in. But from the very first possession, when he blocked a shot, got the rebound, drove down, and, and dimed someone, it looked like something I had never seen before from a seven foot five guy. I didn't go out of there thinking I was more impressed or more optimistic, but I wasn't any less optimistic. And then on Sunday, when he had the other game, you throw those two together, 50 minutes, 40 points, 20 rebounds, eight blocks. That's what I expected. He was essentially dominant. So overall, if I said give a letter grade on what you've seen from Victor Wimbanyama through two games, what would your letter grade be? If C is exactly as I expected, I would say C. Okay. So he's he gave expectation, and he went from minus 250 to minus 130. Right. So now would you agree there's value on Victor? Yes. Only place I would look. Like this is the number it should be. So yes. that's, that's fascinating because – I'm with you. I thought after uh, he shot poorly, I, like there's no, what was he, two of 13? Yeah, in the first game, yeah. He, he shot poorly. Five blocks is five blocks. I don't care who you are. Like he, and if his first season is elite defensively and meh offensively, let's remember in San Antonio, he's going to be the option. Like there's nobody else on San Antonio's roster that's like going to demand touches. More, no. than, more than Wimbanyama. He's just so long, the blocks are going to come. And he blocked a three. You might watch 50 NBA games and not see someone get their three blocked. He blocked it in two minutes. He is going to block many three-pointers Then this how season. come people keep fouling on threes left and right? Because you see five fa- fouls on a three-point attempt a per game. They because, <laughs> because generally, and this is what why I think Victor Wimbanyama is kind it's of a, ego. a special thing. Victor Wimbanyama, I don't think he's going to be guarding the other team's big man. Like he's going to be defending wing players, mm. and when you've got a seven four, foot four, like they're not used to having seven foot four guys put a hand in their face when they're shooting threes. Sure, 
that's going to be problematic. So he's going to alter a whole lot of shots. I think he is. I, I so at at this new number, I do think there's value on him. That brought us to our next conversation about summer league markets, which is summer league MVP. And I think we may. Uh, I don't crack the code. I, I think we have. I don't, now I don't know that we found a way to find who's going to win it. But I think we've certainly found a way to keep you from sa- from throwing your money in the trash. Can I can. bet no? Right. Now, if you, if you look at the top five favorites, four of them were announced out after their second game, and the other one was Brandon Miller, who is arguably only still playing because he's been so unimpressive, and they want to change the narrative. Generally, if you're the best player and you play really well, you're not going to play long enough to be the MVP of this tournament. And that's something to think about. When we started the summer league, it was Victor Wimbanyama. Chet Holmgren, Scoot Henderson, and Brandon Miller. Those were the names. Those were the names. If so, and I, I think Eamon Thompson was was played like one game. Well. Yep, Eamon Thompson played one game. Eamon Thompson got hurt. Scoot Henderson got hurt. Chet Holmgren and uh, Victor Wimbanyama did enough and impressed enough that the team said, "We got an investment in these guys. We've seen enough of them. You guys sit down for the rest of the tournament." Brandon Miller is the one guy who's still playing, he's got zero chance to win the MVP because he's been awful. I think next year, when you see the Summer League MVP odds, you take the t- if they were a top-five pick, throw them in the trash can. Yeah, but i got to still find the winner. No, you don't. I'm just, what I'm saying, Fez, I, I haven't told you I've found a way to find a winner. But isn't me saving you from a loser damn near as valuable? No, because I'm not That's, betting that anyways. <laughs> Well, you're not, but do you you're, uh, do you think those guys didn't get the most action? Well, yeah, from the square ball. So, so I mean, they're going to lose. Okay, anyways. Fez, is, is our entire audience as sharp as you? Otherwise, why would they don't, listen? Don't bet. It's like a great piece of advice for every for everyone that's not a good better. Don't bet on anything. Well, I think what we can certainly tell but you certainly is, don't. This is this is lighting your money on fire. I I, I do. I want to ask you guys. How many of you guys are going down the summer league and watching? I haven't gone down there. No way. No way. Yeah, I haven't been. Oh, I thought you were getting press passes and all that stuff. No. No. Okay. I, well, that's Fez, do you know what time we work in the morning to do SOV? <laughs> I guess like three in the morning. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you really think we're going to like spend the rest of our day? At, it's like, no. Well, you guys are young compared to me. N- not that young. Um, let's, uh, let's remind people how this summer league works. So you play in your regular summer league schedule, which is still going on right now. And then the single elimination tournament begins. That begins this Saturday. So if you are betting on a player to be the summer league MVP, more than likely, they're going to have to win this Summer League tournament. So which teams do you think have a chance to win the Summer League tournament? Right now, the Cavs are 3-0, and the Rockets are 3-0, and Pacers and Lakers and Jazz are 2-0. and the, Those are your undefeated teams right now. And they've got, like, obscene point differentials, these teams, right? They're not just 3-0 yes. winning. Yeah, Cavs, Cavs 16.7, the Pacers 15.5, Lakers 12.5. Some pretty big differentials. Um, I want to ask the reason I want to ask you guys if you're going down there. It seems to me in prior summer leagues that as we get towards the very end of the summer league before the the, the playoffs, the scoring goes up dramatically. Is is that what you've seen? Are you paying attention? I'm thinking that um, the t- the players get to know each other better and they just better pace, more scoring. Well, and I think as you you, you take the better players off the floor, you're you're the, the guys who are real high high end NBA prospects are high end NBA prospects because they they're two way players. Hmm. 
so you're taking away a lot of good defenders. Like taking Chet Holmgren, Victor Wimbanyama, you take mm. those guys out of the games, like th- there's a reason why they're top draft picks because they can play both ways. And it seems almost like an all-star game where, you know, the second quarter is higher screen than the first quarter. It's almost like all these players are like, oh, that's right. This is a run-and-gun, fun, happy action time. I think players and want- I need my points to make the team. Yeah, players well, yeah. want to impress. They want to shoot. They want to score. You know, It wants to be like an all-star game. Yeah. Mac, we talked about this. Like it, there's no correlation between summer league success and, and – the next season's NBA success because the like because they're not most NBA of these players. guys aren't NBA players. Right, exactly right. And I think you make a great point where most people that don't make the league but get close can score 20, 30 in an NBA game, and they have to this NBA game, this summer league game, to get that twelfth man roster spot. But those but those guys, if they could, if, if they yeah, were if they above average defenders, yep. they would they would be automatic. Yeah. Like if you score twenty a game and you're an above average defender, you're on an NBA roster. Mm-hmm. If They'll you score NBA, if you score twenty points a game and you can't play defense, you're a G League guy. And I think that's what you're, you're seeing a lot of G League guys yeah. in here. So now, it makes sense now, that scoring if you can would score be thirty points a game and can't play defense. We'll find you're Carmelo you. Anthony. Yeah. Trey Young. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, Trey, yeah, you're one of those guys. All right, let's talk about. This is the big story for the NBA this week, the midsummer tournament that's going to happen. I, I've said this on SOV. This makes no sense to me. I don't care about this. It feels like a way for – like I've been begging the NBA to make their, their regular season more interesting by taking games away. Yep. They're doing the opposite. And they think like having a fake trophy in the middle of the year is going to make their regular season more interesting. I don't get that. I've talked to Mac and, and Scott about this. Fez, like I'll ask you, what's your interest in this summer league tournament or in this summer, or excuse me, the midseason tournament? And is there anything about it that you think provides any kind of value as a better? Now, this is interesting because we align in most cases the same. I completely disagree. I think it's brilliant. The games are meaningless. And now all of a sudden, you know what? Of course, the games are still meaningless, but it's kind of cool. that. Um, and there might be an opportunity betting-wise, because I can tell you if you get a garbage NBA team that by some miracle finishes second in their group um, stage and they make the playoffs here, that that's going to be like something their players and their team are going to go balls out to try to go ahead. If the Detroit Pistons are in the playoffs and it's a one-game and out situation, that's a team that's going to play super hard. That's so funny. That's the name I had in my head. Like, Cade Cunningham can make his season, winning 20 games in the season, but making the final in this tournament. That's crazy Pistons. to me. Like, I, are Pistons fans really going to be jazzed that they won that tournament? People no. are going to want to come to people come to <laughs> Vegas. It's a great excuse. Think about if your team suddenly makes it. Like, in your Fez, think about this. Any Let, let's say it, by the time this midseason tournament comes around, the Pistons— Not midseason, it's December. Okay, the Pistons have 10 wins. When this comes around, are Pistons fans like, do you think there anybody's like, yeah, I'm going to use my Christmas money to go to Vegas and watch the shitty Pistons play in a different town? Any excuse to come to Vegas is cool. It's December 7th. You're going to watch Army Navy. You're going to go. You're going to go watch that game in the in the snow or you're going to come to Vegas? stay home. No, it's Detroit. You don't want to stay home. Well, maybe not. I agree with Fez in this sense. There was very little risk at messing with these pre-Christmas regular season games because they are utterly meaningless. Now they might be slightly, maybe 5% more meaningful, but there's no risk in messing with these games because, like Scott always says, no one pays attention until Christmas. There's three games to watch, and guess what? Now I've got an excuse, McKenzie, to watch the NBA on Tuesdays and Fridays because those games count towards something else. So I think – 
of the four of us in this room, I think Scott is the only card-carrying fan of an, a singular NBA team. Uh, am I right, McKenzie? Do you have a team that you prefer over all others? No, or not you really. Pre- yeah. Team he bets on. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't really have a favorite team. Scott has a favorite team, so I'll ask you, Scott. Would the Knicks winning the midseason tournament, would it, how much would it mean to you as a nothing. fan? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And this is what I hate about this midseason tournament. The format is you're playing within your conference until the championship game because they want the championship game to be East versus West. Then what the hell is the point of the tournament? No, no, no. I thought you're... it's supposed to be the no, whole league. Is... No, no, Why? you're wrong. You're wrong. The whole league is no. supposed to have a chance to play against each no, other. No, we are <laughs> – you don't want it to be random because you want to minimize the travel. So because of that, there's no reason to implement more five random games where East plays West and it screws with all the traveling. But you're playing these teams anyway. These games are scheduled already. So you have the regular season games. and then yeah, you're going to have that travel stage. at some point in the season anyway. But the no, 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 but, but, but – Possibly, but I think it's easier to schedule all that, you know, because it's all got to be like if, if if you align with four West te- West teams and you're in the East, I, and it's got to be Tuesday and Friday. Now it's going to be a kind of a nightmare, I think, to have to schedule it. Possibly, you know, to work. I think most people are going to feel like Scott. Like, you know, what would be embarrassing is buying gear that said midseason champion or like. Having a banner ceremony, hanging a midseason championship. Like, I don't think. Last I, year, Fez, last year, the Knicks in November had a West Coast trip at Denver, at Golden State, at Phoenix. Why can't that count towards the midseason tournament? Why can't why can't they play the schedule so balanced? Because they get to go west and they get to stay west, as opposed to hopping back and forth and having but, to go all over, all over the place potentially on these Tuesday and Friday games. Maybe so, but 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 I, I, the the bottom line is it's not a midseason tournament. The NBA doesn't start until Christmas Day. That is the opening correct. day. This that is, is the pre- first game. This is a preseason. This is a tournament. preseason. You know what? And the college basketball preseason in Hawaii and even in Anchorage are cool and fun. And this is the same thing. This but you know what's cool NBA about the, opening but night. You know what's What's cool about the the Battle of Atlantis? You know what's cool about the Maui Invitational? You get a chance to play out of your conference. You get a chance to play different teams, different schools. We're playing the same teams. Are playing the same teams. Not in Vegas. We're gonna have three cool games here, December seventh and ninth. <laughs> and I and yeah, but you know and what? AJ, I need a press pass. The, the semifinal games are gonna be just like regular. Se- just it's gonna be East versus East, West versus West, and then the championship East versus Packed West. House, and it'll be a hot, the hottest ticket in town. You think it'll, it'll sell out, T-Mobile? Oh God, yes. Mackenzie, what do you think? Oh, yeah, there's no NBA games other than those two games to buy, so even locals will fill it up, let alone the people that travel here. And it's Dece- think how brilliant this is. It's December 7th. It's Army-Navy. Nobody's going to score. There's nothing going on then, you know, other than the NFL on Sunday. God. And then we bet the under in the in-season tournament championship. You know what's going to – I mean, quiet. it's never gone over in <laughs> quiet. history. It's never, never That's true. That is true. Yeah, never lost with money on the line. You know what? I don't care how many how much these players are spending. Getting an extra hundred thousand to win one game is going to help the under. Here's I don't know. Listen, defense, I'm, Scott. Vegas flu. It's happening. These guys are going to make it here for the semifinals. Then party. Oh, then, the game after the game after you know you some win the championship. They're going to spend it at Dre's champagne celebration for winning the maybe NBA another Cup. Salt at the Cromwell. You know something you guys said about the team, like it would mean a lot to a team like the Pistons. That brought me to a different thought, especially this first year of it. 
the NBA is going to want high-profile teams in this game. The last thing the NBA wants is the Pistons or like the the Hornets. The, yeah, that would be a disaster to have a team like that like be up on the marquee of T-Mobile. I think no, they they, they want. They want the Celtics against the Sixers they, or the Lakers. They want the Lakers and Lakers against Warriors, the Lakers. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, I I really think like once we start this pool play, the Lakers, the Lakers who find a way to get to the foul line a million yeah. times per Suns. game anyway. The Lakers, the Warriors, the Suns, the Celtics. But those, the problem, those te- it's not going to make us money because what flies in the face is the damn Hornets are going to take the game a lot more seriously than the Celtics if it's Why? a group game. It's just a regular season game. Just like I mean, they're no, gonna... incorrect. It's a playoff game for for Charlotte. It's a playoff game for Detroit, I don't and it's think a it regular is. game for the Lakers. I, I don't think it is. Now, here's well, what, it, what, are, what are you going to play? You're, you're, you're going to be 18 games out, out out of the playoffs, and this is the only game that matters. Here's these five the, games. Here's the one thing that I think maybe it does help. The NBA with the with the regular season games counting towards your group stage games is it's those games that you would assume players would not be out for load management. This I agree with. Because if it's just a normal November regular season game. Oh, the NBA would yeah, be pissed if maybe, the, if maybe the Clippers are like, yeah, Kawhi's not playing this week. Yeah. But they don't want that. But if it's a game that counts towards the NBA Cup. Well, yeah. that star player is going to play that regular season. So game. the bottom line is these games are meaningless in their preseason. So any any tweak is worth trying because I'm not watching them right now. So why not try to do something? You're more to likely to watch a a, a mid season playoff game than a reg, a, a regular regular season game. Oh, I think it's must. Not just more likely. I, I think I will watch it, and I'm definitely oh. not watching it if it's a regular game. And hell, I might even watch if it's a group stage game and, and the winner winner take all makes the tournament. I might watch that one on Friday also. That's fascinating to me because to me, what that is essentially doing is putting Roseanne Barr in a red a red swimsuit and calling her Pamela Anderson. Like all of a sudden, you want it? Like that's because because it's dressed up as something that's exciting to you. I, I don't understand that. It's I'm just, trying to think. Of it's a, the same bad product. I I think I'd rather like what what what's a good looking seven, Scott. Not a, not a, a three that's Roseanne Barr. <laughs> you know what's a, what's like a pretty cute gal that like isn't gorgeous. Hmm. Katie Holmes. Yeah. So it's like putting King Gab. Or what's the name? The Look how Katie Holmes is now. Who's the hundred? Who, world? Who's the hundred games? Jane Margot Robbie. Who's the hundred games actress? Jennifer that, Lawrence. Jennifer yeah, Lawrence? it's like Jennifer Lawrence. I'm going to go watch Jennifer Lawrence in the nighty. Absolutely. Wow. That, yes. Well, I mean, you're easily fooled, friend. I mean, was that a good example though? Yeah, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence I think is she's hot. hotter than a seven. Yeah. No, she's a seven. No, she's not must a seven. Be nice. Fez, like, what? do you think you could get a seven? Yeah. And you think in a, there's when a I world was younger. You think in your prime there was a world where you could have bagged Jennifer Lawrence? The way she looked? I mean, no, because she's a multi-billionaire or whatever. I'm talking about like, before she was a star. I saw her in that, that don't look up here. She was like very average looking in that movie. Zero chance. The comet movie. You know what I'm talking about. I, I, that was her. I, right? I know, don't look I'd up like yet. to agree with Fez here. Oh, I, 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 you know, I, I think first of all, you guys are there's very few tens you can hand out because if you're handing out tens left and right, then the value of the ten just completely goes I, down. I agree. So if we're starting our scale at like the top, it's, and logar- our, it's logarithmic. Yeah, if we're starting it's our scale at the 10% top, 10% of 10. And working our way down, the 9.9s like Margot Robbie, who I mentioned before, that's like a 9.9. Now, you line up Jennifer Lawrence, who's a very beautiful woman. 
You line her up next to Margot Robbie, they're they're not playing in the same league. It's one's in the NBA, okay. one's in the French league. So I, I think that you got to even turn. Here's the problem, though, for for with what you're saying. There's a number that every man believes I can get this number. So if I were George Clooney sitting here, I feel like I can get a ten. Like Leo DiCaprio knows if yeah. a ten walks in the room, that's yes. my he, girl. He can have that. Absolutely. You, we all individually need to know what number is achievable for us. And I think if we're setting the scale like you're saying, where like prime Cindy Crawford is a 10, none of us are getting that. Of course not. Anything so, is possible. So, so what's the number yeah. in your mind that's achievable to you? It depends. It's regionally based. There, there, there are, are we talking about LA sixes? I'm we talking. Talk- we live in Vegas. Let me quantify. What kind of well, what, kind, what kind of number can you Vegas? This is important. For every ten, there are ten nines. For every nine, there are ten eights. It's logarithmic. It's like have you it ever been? That formula doesn't go all the way down, though. Not all the way. Exactly. Exactly. But at the because eight, there's, nine, few, ten there's level, fewer ones than there are fives. So what number would you give Jennifer Lawrence? Can be honest. What exactly. number would you give her? There's a whole. She's like an eight and a half. Eight still, and a half. What number? Would, what number do you give Emily Ratajkowski? She's a ten. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, we agree on that. No, they're not, again, they're not <laughs> Officially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what well, would you say, to, like Jenna Jameson in her prime? In her prime, ten, right? I think she's a nine, not a ten. She's a little skinny for my taste. Jesus, yeah, I don't know. I just huh. think that, like, huh. to call Jennifer Lawrence a seven, like, a, almost every guy thinks he can probably land a seven. Almost every guy. I think I can land Jennifer Lawrence. I'm, I'm telling you now. There's there's zero chance you could ever land Jennifer Lawrence. I would I've say seen the, I've seen the guy. Shoot I her. would say ninety five percent of and maybe maybe this is I, I need to change my sexual like like um what what do they say uh, expectations no <laughs> orientation no. orientation that's okay. the word I'm looking for ninety five percent of the people in the world are not sexually attractive they just they are not you go into a Target. You walk past 500 people, men or women, oh, they are unattractive. I disagree. For every one. I'll be Scott, honest, am I wrong? If I was single, a Target, I, a I Walmart. Think I, I would bet that I couldn't make a uh, – Mackenzie, you're single. You ever go to Target and not see a chick there that you would bang? I don't know if I am single, but I, I agree with you. There's um, – I'd say it's more like two out of ten are bangable. I, I wow. Two, what? Yeah, I, I, Mackenzie, this is a bet. You and I are going to like a random, um, like tire store or any. You pick it, okay? Fez, like, I'm telling you, if is you weren't it age married, controlled because I mean, if we're yes, getting sixty year olds or yes, something, we're, twelve we're, year olds are you know not my type. The next, the next, the next, they have to be of legal age. The next, we're, we're going to walk past twenty random women, all right? And you have to pick the best, and we're going to take a photo, and then we're going to put it up right up here, and I'm going to come yeah, out then, and then say less than two out of ten. I was and, thinking, and I'm going to say that photo that uh, the top, tw- the number one out of the twenty is a five. That's I've, crazy. I've only been with Immaculate 10.0s. So there I, you go. I'm just trying to talk the talk. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. This is Jennifer Lawrence's husband, by the way. Cook Maroney. Okay. That, that guy's like a five. Yeah, dude. He's probably rich. What does he, he do, though? Look, yeah, at, right? look at the chicks I mean, that Pete Davidson nails. Pete Davidson is, uh, honestly, I think everybody in this room might be better looking than Pete Davidson. But I got point. news for you. Funny guy. Though. None of us are bagging the chicks Pete Davidson bags. Not, not even one not, of us. Not even close. 
I mean, I'm, if, even if we had his bankroll. Maybe I should just be gay because I walk into a Walmart and I walk through all the aisles and I don't see one attractive woman wow. or man. So Walmart is a tough not... sell, I'll be honest. Okay. Like, Walmart has a lower percentage than Sears, most places. You know? I don't remember the last time I was in a Sears. But I, like, I don't even know if any are still open. If you go to the like to the mall, like if you went to Sunset Mall, you're telling me you would pass 20 women and you wouldn't find one bangable? If I looked at the upscale restaurants, the hostesses, probably at least half of them, like like you go into Green Valley Ranch, okay? And like whoever's like like seating people, that I would say there's a 50-50 chance that that's a yeah. more than attractive enough girl. But if you just look at the clientele, like and part of it's I don't know, you know, it's like it, it they I think if I went to Dre's or if I went to the Win you know, it'd be like there'd be like they'd be all over the place. Well, but let me but tell you these, why. These Fez. women do not go. Let me to tell you like why. The normal places because the hottest chicks are attached to the men with the most money. Do you think the men with the most money are staying at Sunset Station? No, they're staying at the Win. You're making my point. They're not going to Walmart either. No, they're, they're going. Not. If we walk into Gucci or we walk into like you know like like Chanel, yeah, then things will change. But I think if you took a random sampling, if you walked around the the MGM, a good example, like a middle of the road, cause you would you would agree that's like a it's not an unaffordable for like a middle, middle class road, person. Yeah. It's a middle class casino on the strip. If you walk through the MGM and you saw fifty women, you're, how many of those fifty women do you think would be bangable for you? If let's imagine you're not married, three. That's nonsense. All right, it's a bet. You and I, I we're going to go down there. We're going to, yeah. and you don't get to, you know why? Because you don't look at the fifty. You're only looking at the girls that like. Oh, Tell me on, like, you're trying to find attractive. You're, you're you're dismissing. Fez, I mean this in the in the nicest the way slot. possible. Walk past the slots. Walk past the slot machines. Was we make it easier? You, you could walk. You could scour and go up and down. You won't find one attractive woman out of a hundred buying slots. I mean this in the Did nicest way count? possible. I feel like. Like you and your prime and me and my prime, I had more options on how like getting laid. <laughs> That's a nice way of quantifying. I agree. Yet you seem to have a much, much higher standard than I do. That's why I never score. Yay. <laughs> that must be it. Back like, when I was single. To me, I was just like, oh. But but am I? That's a girl but, I've but, never banged. But, like, but, do you, but 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 do you guys just? We like, should like, see what that's about. If you went into Green Valley Ranch and you walked an upscale place and you walked up and down the slot machines, and I know I do this because I walk the loop. Like literally, there's not one attractive man or woman, oftentimes, out of hundreds at the slot machines. Hundreds. I get. I've never walked the slot machines even like because you don't look. It. You see, yeah. you're so biased. You're just ogling the girl that's like working at Hanks that's seating people. Ooh. It's a good look. Well, because, I mean, she's standing there and you have direct conversation with her also. Yeah, why do you have direct conversation Because with she's her? seating you. No, because she's attractive. Well, that's why they put her in the in the position that she's in, good certainly. marketing, man. Uh, I don't know how we got to this. Anyway, uh, I would say it's time shifted, but... <laughs> it's already at the end. <laughs> it's already at the end. So there you have it. Uh, Fez, only one thing left to do. Well, I, I got to look at this Marco Robbie because I know who this That's is. That's her. Well, I like her. That's a bad picture of her. Yeah, it's not my, great. My goodness. Hey, hey, be careful out there. Talk to you next week.